Leah, press star one. We can't hear you. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, February 23rd, 2014. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator. The share ID for Friday, February 21st, is 5949. This morning, A Vision for You presents a sponsorship panel. Step 12 states, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Step 12 gives us a guarantee, a promise that we will have a spiritual awakening as the result of the 12 steps. Now we carry this message to others. We can now sit down with another person who has a problem similar to our own and convey an understanding that no one else can. Our book teaches us that we can help when no one else can. We can secure their confidence when others fail. The big book says we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. The word sponsorship is not in the big book. There is not an official way to sponsor. Chapter 7 does give some guidelines. What is sponsorship then? Sponsorship is guiding someone through the steps, through the problem, the solution, and the program of action to recovery. The big, bo- the big book outlines the process clearly. A sponsor is a person who has enough information and experience to guide another along the path they themselves have walked. They are the lantern that shines the light of their experience on the path they have walked so that another compulsive overeater can have their own experience. Joining us this morning are three recovered compulsive overeaters who will serve as our panelists today. We have Michelle H. from St. Louis, Missouri, Marsha B. also residing in St. Louis, and Haya from Denver, Colorado. Each panelist will share their process of taking a sponsee through the text, the big book, and then we will open the floor for question and answers after all have presented. And I will begin this morning with our panelist, Michelle H. Good morning, Good morning Michelle. Oh, good morning, Leah. Excuse me. And good morning to all who are on vision for you this morning. Um, I am Michelle H., a recovered compulsive overeater from St. Louis, Missouri, recovered by the grace of God. And I just want to say thank you. It is such a privilege to be given this opportunity to give a little service at a meeting, which has done so much for me. And, um, you know, I was taught that one way I could give back, because I was so grateful for all that I had been given, was to be able to share and try to carry the message um, of these clear-cut directions in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I usually qualify at my Sunday home group meeting by saying that, and I came back to OA in July of 2005, and I got abstinent and have not found it necessary to pick up my binge food since October 20, 2010. And I, I sponsor other compulsive overeaters by trying to carry the message again. It's, it's out of gratitude. Um, you know, that's what my sponsor said. You know, I 
just like, oh, my gosh, you know, my sponsor had done so much for me. And, and through the, the power of, you know, the, the spirit of the universe and the big book, I just um, I didn't think I'd ever be able to repay and give back. And, and she just um, reminded me, Michelle, you do that by carrying the message. You stay and you give back. And, <clears throat> and so it is out of gratitude and um, thankfulness that, that um, I get to carry this message. And I want to carry the message to others who still suffer from this disease. And um, so um, <clears throat> I sponsor the same way my sponsor did, because when, when we first um, were brought together, I believe, by a higher power, uh, she told me that she sponsors according to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It worked for her. And so since it worked for her, she was not going to mess it up or change it. She was going to sponsor that same way. And so I, too, have learned to sponsor in a very similar way, going through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, carrying the message, carrying the truth. And um, I have to admit and be honest with you all that when my, I had you know, gone through the steps and my sponsor said, okay, now it's time for you to start sponsoring others, I was not feeling exactly this extreme confidence about my ability to sponsor because I had a sponsor who had had many years of being recovered and sponsoring. And, and so I shared this with her. I discussed her how I was feeling. And you know, she reminded me that um, you know, I just have to do my little part and that God is in charge. And if I prayed and meditated and asked God for direction, the answers would come. And I remember her saying those words, and I'd, you know, been listening um, to meetings that, you know, been going through the big book, and and we close every day with, you know, that those two paragraphs on page 164. And I remembered those words, you know, the answers will come. And so, you know, that those words have inspired me and helped me to take the step to sponsor others in the program. So I just want to read the words that inspire me, and that is, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you, um, Michelle. Ask him, Michelle, in your morning meditation, what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. And, and that's what my sponsor had guided me to do. Michelle, you know, work your program, work these steps, continue to stay close to God. 10, 11, and 12 every day. The answers will come. And so, yes, today God is my director, and I ask for direction to be of service to my sponsees. And I also, whenever, before I talk to my sponsees, I like to say a little prayer so I know I'm, I'm, you know, connected with my higher power as we talk. And I love the little prayer that, you know, Bill prayed when he surrendered on page 13, and that is, of myself, I was nothing. And I say, of myself, I am nothing. And, and that helps and guides me. So this morning I'm going to share with you how I practice Step 12, having had a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We tried, I tried to carry this message and to practice these principles in all my affairs. So when I, you know, am, when my hair power brings a sponsor or, or a prospect onto my path and, and um, we're talking and discussing about a sponsor-sponsor relationship, I, you know, I'm honest with them and I tell them this is how I sponsor and like Leah said, there's many different ways to sponsor, so I'm just going to be upfront and tell them there's certain requirements um, that were asked of me, and so I asked some of my sponsees. And um, one is that we're, in the beginning we're going to talk on a daily basis, and we're going to discuss their foods, um, their trigger foods, their binge foods, and we're going to discuss about um, some um, parameters and some ideas and suggestions about a food plan, that the big book is going to be the focus of the time that we spend together when we meet. And um, also with step one, it was used for me, um, a little booklet that helps. I'm not going to mention the name because that would be um, an outside 
um, issue, um, but it's a little booklet, um, and it basically just breaks down um, looking at my history and looking at my powerlessness and my unmanageability, and it just kind of helps me to see the truth. And, and then I ask them, you know, this, this is how I sponsor. Um, are you willing to go to any length? And um, prayer is brought into this. We're going to pray about this and see where God leads us. And once the decision and the guidance is there that this relationship is going to happen, um, we start the same way I started at the, at the front of the book, going through the preface and the forwards to the you know, first through four editions in the front of the book, because um, it gave me such hope to hear that the purpose of the book is to show other alcoholics precisely how they got recovered. And, um, and to use the word recovered, um, that you know, there was hope for me that this mental obsession um, would be removed and I would have the same gifts and promises of the program that she had if I would just embrace the book and, the, and these clear-cut directions. So, um, you know, it gives an outline of what's going to come, going through these um, pages in the front. And then, you know, I'm, I'm working, um, we start working together on step one, the doctor's opinion, and we read about the twofold illness of the body and mind. And so in doing these things, it gives me an opportunity to share my experience um, like has already been said, you know, we are armed with certain facts about ourselves that can gain the confidence of other compulsive overeaters where nothing else had worked before. You know, we can identify with each other and we see that um, we can, others see in us that we have found a solution. And um, I, like myself, I was interested to find out what that answer was. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking at the food history. We're looking at um, what are the binge foods? So I do. I ask my sponsor the same as with my sponsor, the same that was asked of me, to make a list of all the foods which I know for sure that I had no control over, that I binged on every single time. And then I was asked, and I also asked uh, my sponsor to make a second list of foods that I tried to control. You know, I have those ideas of like maybe I can have a little of this. You know, the most common ingredient is sugar, my, my experience. But sometimes there's other ingredients. I know for me there's some other ingredients and. Um, I didn't want that to be my truth, and so I say, well, maybe I can have a little of this with this this time, thinking that this time it would be different. So um, we're looking at um, these foods and, and what are the you know, common ingredients, what are the substances that take me back, and am I willing to look at that? Am I willing to surrender these things, willing to give this a try? And then looking at making a food plan, there's, there's several sites on websites on the Internet that show where you can go that are government-sponsored to find and make a healthy food plan. What are serving sizes? That was a new concept for me. Uh, what's the serving size? Um, I can look on the back of the package. And, and there's actually four food groups, I believe. And um, sugar does not make up one of those food groups. So now I'm making up a food plan for which I am going to eat for optimal health. You know, here's, here's a new way of thinking. It's not going to be to get ease and comfort. It's going to be getting optional health. It's not what can I get by, what looks similar to my old binge food that I can get by. I'm going to eat for optimal health. That's what my sponsor told me. So um, I found it very helpful when my sponsor asked me to give her my food plan daily, so I do that because how does she know um, whether or not I'm getting back in the food or not? Um, so um, that's the way I was sponsored. That's the way I sponsor, um, sponsor as well. And I asked them how things are going with their food plan, how things are going with abstaining from certain foods and food behaviors. Are they having food thoughts? And I can share my experience, what it was like for me early on when I was in going through this process. And so when it comes to reading the big book together, I asked my son C to read. We don't read paragraph by paragraph. I really encourage them to listen for Vision for You, as I have listened for, to Vision 
for you and continue to do so. And because um, there we can go through it paragraph, paragraph by paragraph. But I ask them to, to read certain pages at a time. I ask them to pray. And, and as they're reading, what jumps out at them? What resonates for them in the readings of the big book? Um, because I know I have paragraphs that have inspired me, but maybe another paragraph is going to be more inspiring to my sponsee as, as God speaks to them. I do make sure we discuss certain paragraphs, you know, and we discuss about the physical allergy, the phenomenon of craving. And I know when I had excuses and rationalizations that kept, you know, um, bringing me back to the food, um, you know, I had some favorite paragraphs that helped me, and I share those. Um, And especially when I hit bottom and surrendered, you know, the bottom of page XXVIII, you know, page 28 in Roman numerals, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Michelle, it wasn't the excuse that you thought it was. It was the effect that you were chasing after. Um, you know, here's the truth. And I had to read that paragraph several times before they finally sunk in. And then, you know, on page XXX, page 30, Roman numeral, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Entire abstinence from those foods that I know every time that I put them in my body and ingested them, that I would develop the phenomenon of craving. So now we've identified our bench foods. We're, we're going through the big book. We understand the truth about the physical allergy being that biological mandate over which I have no control. And so, you know, it's like I start asking, well, why would I want to put any of that substance in my mouth if I know that's going to happen? And, um, uh, well, I know when I do that now that, you know, that there's another reason I have this mental obsession. But I, I also did it because I had not conceded 100% to my innermost self that I was a real compulsive overeater. If I really got honest about it when I hit my bottom that last time, that's what it was. That was my truth, and that's why those paragraphs are so important to me. Um, so entire absence means just that. I have to believe it 100%. Um, my sponsor pointed out, Michelle, if you believe it 99%, guess what? I'm going to pick up. You're going to pick up on that 1%. If you believe and surrender 99.5%, you'll pick up and go back to the food on that one half percent. And so I had to realize, in, in through the, the teachings of the Big Book, that you know my body and mind are quite abnormal. And and so for me, what my sponsor did for me, if I started eating compulsively, if I was on step two and looked like I was getting it, but I got back into the food, then then I hadn't. I hadn't taken step one 100%. And she wasn't going to do me a favor by keep going through the steps. So she did me a big favor by taking me back to doctor's opinion and Bill's story and rereading it and, and really surrendering, giving me that opportunity to surrender 100% um, because that's what's needed to be able to go on through the rest of these steps. And so we move through, there is a solution. You know, we study about that greater aspect of the disease residing in my mind. We read more about, more about alcoholism, which gives the examples of the insanity of this mental abstention, which is going to drive me back to the food. It has to be removed, and I am not powerful enough to remove it. You know, it has, it's this subtle way that I have this sudden, insane thought about food, which always overpowers any kind of rational thought that I might have about food, um, because I have not moved through these steps um, far enough along the path um, to have this mental obsession removed, which my sponsor told me, you know, Michelle, you get through these steps, and, you know, the promises start coming through after step nine, and the mental obsession will be removed, and you will be returned to sanity at that point. So together with my sponsee, we're going to read about uh, the use of willpower and knowledge. It's just not going to be able to defeat this mental obsession. And the solution is, you know, there's good news. There is a solution. It's reliance and dependence upon a power greater than myself. And that higher power greater than me during the process of working these steps will remove this obsession. It's a promise. And this idea has to be smashed that I will be able to eat and enjoy my binge foods someday. 
That's not a possibility for me. I'm a real compulsive overeater. Um, so the big book leads me and my sponsee um, as we're reading through this big book to the conclusion that I'm doomed to go back to the food unless this mental obsession is removed. And I am indeed powerless to remove it. It's going to take a power greater than myself. And then the good news, there is a way out. And let's, you know, in these steps. So um, in step two, um, we, we embrace step two by um, reading the chapters two, three, and four. Again, the same process reading, you know, praying, reading, discussing, and um, sharing, sharing my experience as they're sharing, my sponsors share their experience, and, and together with God's help, we, um, we work these steps. And so I, I now suggest to my sponsors that they have a written concept of a higher power that they're needing in order to take that leap of faith. Um, you know, this is a scary process, putting down the food, and so I do need a higher power. So the food is down, and, and with that higher power that I'm going to rely and depend on, um, so this mental obsession is going to be removed. So we spend some time talking about that, reading those chapters, and, and choosing um, a phrase, a name, um, that I'm in right position with my higher power. He is the director. I am the agent. He is the father. I am the child. Um, you know, for me, it's loving creator, loving creator, and, and I am loved as his, as his um, part of creation. And then, you know, step three, um, in the fourth edition, step three, prayer is on page 63. And I was told by my sponsor that the first 100 people took this, um, took this prayer or said this prayer in the presence of, of their, their sponsor or the people who were helping them on their knees. And so I was directed um, and suggested, um, they're all suggestions, that, you know, this, this process may, you know, may be a good idea for me, and I did embrace it. Um, I did take this step on my knees at my home group. And so when I'm working with the sponsees, sometimes I'm working long distance, sometimes I'm working with sponsees who are in remote areas and they tell me there's no meeting close by. I always encourage them to try to get to a meeting, find a meeting, um, because where are we going to carry the message? We need to be at face-to-face meetings. I was encouraged to do that, and so I do too. But if it's not possible to do that, then we take it together. Sometimes it's on the phone. Sometimes it's, you know, we're, it's always in a quiet place, surroundings. There's no distraction, and a very quiet, sacred time when they would we would take this step together. And um, step four, then we move on. We've we've made that decision. We're going to work through the rest of these steps. We we want this spiritual awakening that's going to remove this mental obsession. And um, step four can take just a couple of weeks. Um, I, I really encourage them, my sponsors, to work on this, not delay. Doesn't need to take a long time. Um, the way I was sponsored, I, I used some, there's many tools out there to, that um, help us to take the, this fourth step the way the big book um, prompts us to take it. And um, one of the formats I used when I took it was like a, um, a checklist and, um, you know, then spending time with my um, sponsor in a fifth step going over what does this checklist mean, what have I checked off here, what is, you know, where's my part in this. And, and recently I've been introduced to a new format and again, these are all just tools. It's still following the format and, and the, um, the, the clear-cut directions. But it digs a little deeper, and um, so now I'm, I'm giving that as an option because um, I want a tool that I'm going to be able to continue to use and prompt me in my 10-step work. And so the resentment prayer can be started um, for the beginning of that release um, in order to make amends. And again, when I was first introduced to this resentment prayer, um, as a beginner, you know, I was pretty arrogant thinking that I'm, you know, they're a sick person just like me and I need to pray for them and um, so that, you know, I, I may not like their behaviors. But, you know, I was pretty arrogant when I started saying this prayer and, and thankfully God has changed my heart and I see that this is really the prayer is saying, God, please show me 
um, you know, I'm asking God, I am praying and reaching out to God, please show me how to be more tolerant and compassionate and, and um, patient. And how? And the whole reason for this is how can I be helpful to them? Well, that was the last thing on my mind with someone that I resented, how I could be helpful for them or to them. And that is, the, the you know, the whole premise, the whole purpose of, the, you know, these 12 steps is so that I can learn to be helpful to others, to everyone. And so this resentment prayer can be started to be said um, on a daily basis, and, and that's what I was encouraged to do, and I encourage and suggest my sponsees to do that. It has been um, life-changing for me. Um, step five, um, so after we've gone through step four and we've gone through the process, then there's, we're carving out this sacred time. Sometimes, you know, usually allow at least a couple of hours that we're going to meet. Um, many times when I sponsor long distance, it, it is over the phone. Otherwise, it's face-to-face here when I'm here in my home group sponsoring. Um, and it is, you know, it was such a sacred time for me in a sacred space that all the attention and, and is going, it's not about me, it's about my sponsee and what, what can, and, and bringing God into that process and because God is the transformer, He is the one that um, that does the changing, not me. I'm just um, the empty vessel, allowing this process um, to happen and be the guide. And then on page 76, we find the two paragraphs that are dedicated in the Big Book to Step Six and Seven. And and so we go over those paragraphs, like um, you know, okay, we've just come through Step Five. Here are my grosser handicaps. Am I am I seeing how they're causing problems in my life and in my relationships? And am I finding them objectionable? Well, if I keep repeating those behaviors, maybe I'm not. So then I need to pray for the willingness, looking at these character defects and writing them down and asking God to become, you know, help me to find these to become objectionable. And then you know, then you know. The prayer, the seven-step prayer, um, again, I was encouraged to say that with my home group on my knees, which I did. And, and finding this process was what, the, you know, the first 100 did and, and um, what my sponsor did and it's what helped her to be reco- become recovered. And so I'm trusting that process. Um, you know, there were times where I didn't have to, you know, I couldn't see, the, you know, the light at the tunnel. You know, it was becoming brighter and brighter, but I just kept trusting and looking and seeing the recovery and that my sponsor had and the truth that she shared with me each time. And I never caught her in a lie like, you know, other people. And so I trusted her integrity and trusted um, what she said to me. And um, and she always guided me back to my higher power. It was like not not for her to be put on a pedestal. She always, always reminded me of that because so many times I wanted to. And then we move on to step eight, and it's just a list. I'm making a list of the people I had harmed that was revealed to me through my inventory, through, um, you know, um, that process that I went through. I see that I had harmed others. It wasn't all about people harming me. I had harmed others. And I'm I'm praying to God um, to make, you know, for those opportunities to make amends. And um, my sponsor guided me, and I guide my sponsors. Don't you know, don't rush out and make amends. Don't go. Don't jump from step forward um, or step five into step nine. There's this process. It's a very important process that we go through, and God is changing us, changing my heart, replacing that resentment with compassion and forgiveness in my heart. So no, I'm not to go out and make amends if, there, if I'm still feeling some resentment. If I'm still feeling, you know, those feelings of mm, coming up inside of me where I'm still a little fiery and feeling a little sore. No, and and trust that that process is going to happen, that you that you know we will feel forgiveness in my heart, and then I'm praying for that opportunity, um, and God always did, did give me an opportunity to make those amends once I was willing, and and I hear it from my sponsees too. Those those opportunities become, they become available. They just are right there. They present themselves, and then we're ready and we make the amends. 
step 10, so important to follow the directions in the big book. This is something daily. You know, it's the beginning of this starts on page 84. And, you know, we're going to daily continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, and fear. And when they crop up, you know, not if they crop up, when they crop up. Because I have this spiritual malady. The mental, you know, the obsession to go to food has been removed, but I'm a human being. And and so um, as we hear all the time, you know, on Vision for You, I'm never going to rise above that human condition. So step 10 work done on a daily basis looking for these. And when they crop up, you know, we ask God at once to remove them. You know, do I need to talk to someone about that immediately? And if I've made a mental if I need to make amends, if I've caused harm, then I need to make amends quickly. Um, step 11, so important um, to have a practice, a daily discipline of prayer. Um, you know, and that starts at the page, um, the bottom of page 85. It directs us. Um, and so, you know, I, that's something I really work with my sponsors. You know, what, what are, what's your daily discipline? How do you connect and build that relationship with your higher power? Because that's the most important thing in my life now, that relationship with that higher power that I need because I'm powerless. I need this relationship. I have a daily reprieve. So, uh, you know, I do my evening review, um, you know, anything that I might have missed through my step 10 on my day, in my day. And, you know, I, I, you know, then and then each day, each morning I get up, like this morning I got up early, and I did my daily discipline. I want to stay connected to God because of myself I am nothing, and I stay close to God and follow those directions and, you know, continue to say, you know, I need I need to build this spiritual bank account. I need to be building this relationship. If this relationship is the most important thing, then, you know, I'm going to look at it and say, well, how much time am I spending on this relationship if it's the most important thing? How else am I going to develop that relationship? And then step 12, try to carry this message. Um, You know, the beginning of working with others, it says nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. And, you know, I do have this daily reprieve. I do need this immunity um, one day at a time. And it is such a privilege and such an honor when God brings these people across my path and and I across theirs, and and we develop this relationship. And, you know, it's this is what's going to take the spiritual awakening. This is what gives me a new way of thinking and living. This is also, you know, I carry this message to my sponsees, and indeed it has taken me on that road of happy destiny. Indeed it has built up a fellowship around me. Indeed I have found the joy of watching other people become recovered the same way my sponsor helped me become recovered. And so I hope that um, something that I said, um, you know, hits you um, and that higher power spoke through me and that there was something of value you can take from this talk. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Leah. Thank you, Michelle, for sharing with us this morning. And now I'll welcome our second panelist, Marsha B., also residing in St. Louis, Missouri. Good morning, Marsha. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. Um, I'm Marsha. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive reader from St. Louis, as Leah said. And um, I'm uh, honored to have been asked to speak on sponsorships. I've got four sponsees right now. Um, uh, they've, they're the ones that have been around for, for a while, um, uh, but I've had many, many sponsees. Um, and uh, what I uh, wanted to do is just kind of go through what uh, what my process is. And, and as Michelle said, I uh, learned how to sponsor through my sponsor. And uh, I cannot begin to tell you how important it is to have a sponsor in your life, um, especially a recovered sponsor, uh, somebody who's been through the steps, somebody who's uh, done service, somebody who knows what 
what abstinence is, what what the steps that are that are so vital to recovery. Um, if if I don't have a sponsor who's been through that, I'm not serving myself very well, and uh, I'm not doing God's will if I don't have the sponsor that has to, has, has the truth and can tell it to me. Um, well, when I uh, am asked to sponsor, if I have availability, and I begin with, uh, well, I, I need you to call me daily. And sometimes I get the question, really, every day? And and actually that happens more often than not. And I say, well, yes, every day. And it, there's a couple of reasons for that. Is, is It gauges the level of commitment that I I. I can sense from the other person is that, okay, if you're willing to call me every day, then you're ready. If you're questioning the need to call every day, then you might not be ready. Um, you, you may begrudgingly call me every day, but um, and, and hopefully something will come of it. Um, so, so I just kind of pray and, and, and sit back and, and just let this unfold as it's supposed to. Um, but my uh, sponsor... Uh, everything that that Michelle talked about is is very is similar to how I was sponsored. Um, we went through, uh, and I, I, what I do with with my sponsees is the same thing that that was done with me. Is uh, first we talk about the foods. We talk about the foods that uh, cause them problems. Um, I ask them to after the first call, just tell me a little bit about themselves. Tell me about their history with food. Tell me about, um, you know, what, uh, what, what they are looking for as far as a sponsor goes. We just try and hash out some of those things. But then if they, we've decided that this is the way to go, I ask them to provide for me a list of foods, all the foods that they have, they cannot control or have tried to control. And, provide that list to me, and, and then when we've got that list, we, we talk about it a little bit further. We talk about elimination of these lists. We find, usually I, I find, it is the commonality of all the food that they list is a sugar-based problem. And so I'm no nutritionist, so it's, I recommend that they talk to a nutritionist or a medical professional or some nutritional uh, professional and come up with a plan, and I ask them to remove sugar from their, obvious sugar from their diet uh, or from their food plan. And uh, that's, that's, there are probably other things that need to be removed, but I think that, that starting with sugar is probably the, the, the root cause of, it was the root cause of my problem, and that's where I started. I mean, first I eliminated the sugar, then I eliminated the flour, and eventually I eliminated artificial sweeteners, and my food has been progressively changing over over time and getting better and better and better. So um, I know that it's, for me, I, I find it, it, it work, what worked for me, I hope will translate to their to their food plan. And if they start somewhere and they can get through that, then they can start making changes elsewhere. So that's where we start. And I, can, well, and I also continue to encourage them to take a look at these other foods as we go along. Um, so the list, that's where it starts. 
And then um, if they are still binging or if they've still had foods in their system, I want to try and wait a couple of days because I truly believe what the big book says that um, really I'd like to work with somebody whose head is a little bit clearer and um, and that's where I like to give them a, a few days to just kind of get off of the sugar high and just are you are you free of the sugar? If you've been without it for about four or five days, let's start working in the in the big book. And we do start with the doctor's opinion. And uh, I ask them to read the doctor's opinion in its entirety, and I ask them to write for about 20 minutes on what speaks to them about the doctor's opinion. And um, I think uh, it's vitally important. It's, it's absolutely crucial because nothing means anything beyond understanding the nature of this disease. If I don't understand the, na- the twofold illness, the physical allergy and the mental obsession, if I don't understand this, then the rest of the steps are not going to mean, or working the program, the steps are not going to mean anything. Um, I must understand the nature of this disease, that there is a physical allergy that yields craving, and then there's a mental obsession that ensures that I will continue to ingest something that causes the physical allergy. So that first day, I asked them to read the doctor's opinion and write for about 20 minutes. And then the next day, I asked them to read it to me. I, I don't really like to sponsor over email. I, I feel like it leaves a, a, a humanity out of it. And I don't get the tone. I don't get the – I feel it's, it's, a, it's more important to have that voice contact um, and if possible, it would, it, it, during step four to have a face or step five to face-to-face contact. And, uh, and if it's possible to do that more often, then, then absolutely face-to-face contact is, is good. Um, so uh, that next night, I asked them to read Bill W's story and to write about what, has, what strikes them about Bill W's story. And then we go back to the doctor's opinion the next night. And we read about the doctor's opinion and they write about what struck them about the doctor's opinion. Now, if anybody else is like me, I'd find something new every time I read this big book. I mean, after all this time, I'm still finding something. Wow, you know, I never read that before. I never saw that. That never hit me. And um, so I, I think that when we do that, we, we get that richness, that depth, that that. Uh, in my opinion, that spiritual um, guidance from God that came through the words of Bill W. Um, and so we do this alternately uh, every other night. We'll, work, we'll read the doctor's opinion or we'll read Bill W's story, and we'll do that for about two or three weeks. And the level of commitment, again, is really crucial in these, in these first first few days and even weeks. Um, if the phone calls start to drop off, then I know this is a little bit, you know, perhaps they're not ready. Um, I will try, if I don't hear from my sponsees, I will try to call them. I give them one call um, to see how they're doing and, and you know, I'm, I'm available. And if they don't call back, then, you know, okay, well, they're not ready and, you know, God wants me to be available to someone else. So, you know, it's okay, it's life. Um, But if they call me back and we get back on track and, you know, I make sure that we're still, you know, abstinent and and, then we we just move on. Um, 
So after we go through that, we do also, I, I use that uh, non-OA approved little book um, to, after we go through the doctor's opinion and through Bill W's story. So we go through that book. It's a very in-depth look at powerlessness and unmanageability. And it helps to, it helps me, and I think it helps, it would help my sponsees, so um, to really understand the nature of, of the illness and my history with food and their history with food and uh, helps even further to identify the problem. Um, and I think that, that a, a good deal of time is spent on identifying powerlessness because if we don't get that we're powerless, then we will eat. As it says in in the big book, if we're not entirely if we don't if we're not entirely ready to let go of this, then we will eat again. And uh, even the AA 12 and 12 in step six, it talks about uh, being 100% convinced that we are powerless over food. And I truly believe that. If one percent of me believes that I can eat with impunity or at some point, then I will. If there's some some magic time when I can eat these binge foods, I'm going to be in trouble. So I must be convinced to 100% of my body that I am absolutely powerless. So we do spend a great deal of time on the powerlessness uh, and the unmanageability because it is just so vitally important. And then um, when we move, when we're through uh, that, that step one, we move on to uh, the three chapters that talk about step two. There is a solution more about alcoholism and we agnostics. Um, if anybody is like me, I was my own higher power. And uh, I had to be convinced that I am not God. And these three chapters really drill this home. And I, I love the book, or the, the chapter more about alcoholism is one of my favorite chapters in the big book. And um, to me, the, the name of that, so that title of that chapter should be More Truth About Alcoholism, and for me, More Truth About Compulsive Overeating. Um, and we do the same thing with this. So I would like you to read uh, the chapter, There is a Solution, and please write for about 20 minutes on what strikes you about that chapter. And then please read the next chapter and write for 20 minutes on that. And these are nightly things. So, And then read about uh, re-agnostics and write about that. And we do a cycle of that for a couple of weeks just to, just to get into our minds that, that, you know, there is a power greater than us that will restore us to sanity if we allow ourselves to let go and turn things over to that higher power. So um, this, it, it really is just explaining that we have tried, you know, self-knowledge gained me nothing. And I want them to understand that too doesn't matter that, that I know that I'm a compulsive overeater. I have to know it in my heart. I have to um, recognize it. I have to understand that I was my own worst enemy. And if I don't get that I am my own worst enemy, that my best thinking got me up to 300 pounds, then I'm lost. Uh, so if I, if I don't get that I am my own worst enemy, I'm lost. And I need to start turning my will and my life over to the care of something more powerful than me. It doesn't have to be all powerful. It just has to be more powerful than I am, greater than I am. 
uh, with the ability to remove it. So however they define their higher power. And one of, uh, one of the toughest things to do as a sponsor is to get into a debate about a higher power or about God uh, with somebody who is very, very uh, strongly opposed to, to uh, talking about you know, They've got preconceived notions, you know, history with, you know, whatever religious background they have, and it's very difficult. It's a very difficult conversation, and it's, I usually have to say, you know, I've resigned from the debate society. I, you know, however you define your higher power, you must define a higher power, uh, one that is greater than you. You don't have to call it God. You don't have to call it anything. You, can, you just need to find something. You know, you know the, the highway is broad and roomy and all-inclusive, and you find the power greater than yourself that will fit. Give me a description. Define it. You've got to find something or else you will continue to rely on yourself, and that's not going to work. We've demonstrated that. I've demonstrated that my entire life. So... Now, after going through step two, it's now, are you willing to believe? You know, it's just, are, are, do you believe or are you willing to believe? And that's all that's required. That's really all that's required. Um, one of the best parts, are the, step two, uh, page 53 in We Agnostics, it, there's a paragraph that says, now we're at a crossroads. God is everything or God is nothing. What is our choice to be? And I decided that, you know, for me, my higher power is everything. So what is their choice to be? What, what is your choice to be? And um, usually the response is like, okay, well, I know it's not me, so it has to be something else. And, and so now we're at the point where uh, my sponsor asks me the three proposals. She gives me three proposals, and, and I give them to my sponsees. What am I not willing to let go of when it comes to the food, and it comes to the problem, and it comes to the solution. What am I not willing to let go of with food and with all of my compulsive behaviors? Why am I not willing to let go? And who will I be if I do let go? So I, I ask them to go through that exercise. If I let go of these binge foods, if I let go of this behavior, if I let go of my old ways of thinking, you know, who will I become? And, uh, and I, you know, the conclusion was that I would be somebody who would be free from food. So what is their, what is their, um, what is their answer to these things? And then when they're ready, we go into uh, how it works. Uh, and I uh, asked them to read pages 58 to 63 that go into step three. And then I asked them to read the step three, three promises. And that, those are on page 63. And on page 63, let me see if I get to it, uh, the third step promises we have a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. Those are the third step promises. So those are important to read and those are important to, we go over them. Um, 
so in how it works, then we were into the, the, the prayer, uh, the third step prayer, as we all know, is uh, God, I, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. My sponsor did it on her knees in front of her group, her home group. I did it on my knees in front of my home group. Um, It's very important for me to level my pride, to be humble towards my higher power, and I suggest that for my my sponsees as well. So um, I do it just like the first 100 did. Um, and so, uh, you know, some, as mentioned before, they, they have no home group because they're um, far, far from um, a meeting there. And I understand that. So if possible, we do it together on the phone. Um, and what's wonderful is uh, when I see that going on in my home group, when somebody gets on their knees, some people join in and, and join them when they get on their knees. And I say the third step prayer with one of my sponsees every day. So um, I think that's a vital, it's a vital prayer, and one that I can't live without. So, um, so really, uh, step three is just a choice, and I talk to them about it. It's just a choice, a decision. Do I want to stay in the problem or do I want to move towards the solution? And step three is making decisions to move towards the solution. And the solution being a power greater than me, restoring me to sanity. Um, then we get into step four in how it works. Um, step four it says, uh, starts at, begins at uh, step, or the bottom of page 63. And um, out on the web, there is a uh, documents that Joe and Charlie put together for a step four, and uh, I have downloaded these, uh, and I can work with my sponsees with that. Um, some of my sponsees have come from other programs, and they have other um, materials that are used to uh, do a fourth step. I try my best to modify the list that, that they've to, to make it fit into this format because I only know how to do this format and I can't guide people through a format that has been worked in a different 12-step program. Um, so we, I work really hard to try and, and pull, help them pull that into the format of the big book format. Um, so, and then I try myself to offer some examples of what, how I've done it. And well, here, I was resentful against my sister because she did this. So uh, I, I try and, and walk through examples with them. Um, and I also stress for them, okay, when they commence their fourth step, that they're in a race against time. Um, some people, you know, get into the fourth step and they really, I understand. I, there's a lot of fear associated. There's a lot of, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, a lot of regret. Um, no, no question. I absolutely understand that. But this is absolutely important that they read about step four and about cleaning house and about doing that personal inventory, getting out, clearing it out so we can make room for God in our lives. And so um, 
I have them read bottom of page 63 to page 61. Um, and the time is usually two two weeks, you know, two to three weeks. I'm, I mean, there, it's possible to even do that sooner. But they are in a race against time. And if they're not working and, and pulling, putting things on their step four list every day and being vigilant about that, then, you know, the, there, there is a possibility that, you know, hey, you know, I'll get to this. It's just a list. I'm working on it. I don't have to do really anything else. There's a possibility that, that you know, a crack can open up and, and, and other thoughts can come in. So, uh, so I try to stay on them. How's your four-step list going? Um, where are you? Do you think, are you, have you hit the fears list yet? You know, do you need any help with it? So I try and, and bolster them and keep them moving and encourage them to keep, keep striving for it. And they should have it in about two weeks. Um, so, but in the meantime, I, I, I work want them to stay in contact with me daily. Um, and then when it comes to step five, when they're ready, um, I uh, ask them to uh, read page 72 to 75, where we talk about, well, it's actually now in the, in the into action chapter. So step 72 to 75, and we try to meet face to face. Uh, if, if we're in the same area, we do meet face-to-face. Um, and then we, we go through their list, and I, I listen to them. I listen for the, um, I listen for the, the where have I done wrong, and I try and help to guide them on what, what their part is in it and, and what their character defect was that, that is um, shown in, in, in the parts, in the, the wrongs they've done or the, the, um, the, their part in it. So um, that's how my sponsor got me through it too. She helped me to refine this list and, and, and identify the grosser uh, character defects, which is the whole point. So now in step five, now I have this list of what my grosser handicaps are, what I need to work on, for step six and step seven, and same with them. What are my grosser? What are their grosser character defects? Um, are they selfish? Are they self-seeking? Are they dishonest? Are they inconsiderate? Now, all of these. Are they people pleasers? You know, those those larger issues. We don't get into the nitty gritty, and and we don't get into the. You know, I need to identify my character defects. And you know, some would say, I'd like to identify my character assets. Well, that's nice. But the point of this is to clean house. Clean house of the stuff I don't want. And I don't want my defects. Sure, I'll keep my assets. And those will probably be identified. Some, but I, that's, to me, that's lesser, less important than finding out where I need to change. What, this is all about transformation. This is all about going from a selfish self-centered person to somebody who is going to be serving others, somebody who is going to be doing uh, a higher power, my higher powers will from being selfish to selfless. So I need to find the things in me that are making me selfish and self-centered. And those are my handicaps that I need to be rid of. So for my sponsees, that's how I try and walk them through this. so after we've done the step five, uh, we read the bottom of page 75, at, or actually the middle of page 75, where the step five promises are. 
Um, once we have taken this step with holding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone and at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have a certain, we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the Spirit of the Universe. And I ask them, "Okay, how do you feel about this? Do you feel what? What? Take each of these lines and is are they true?" Take each one and say, is this line true? Is this true for me? And then I tell them, okay, now go find a quiet place, just as the big book describes. Find a quiet place and pray and meditate with God and to see if they have identified everything. Because, you know, asking the questions, you know, have we omitted anything? Is the work solid? You know, uh, have we tried to make mortar out without sand? Because that's vitally important that we have try to do the best we can. We're not going to be perfect. Progress, not perfection. And if we do find, you know, later on that, oh, I remember I did something else or, or this happened and I probably need to get this on the list of, of amends. So that's uh, that's step five. And uh, follow those instructions. And then we're back, we're up on top of step, or page 76 and step six. So we've identified our grocer handicaps and we go through those questions there. Um, and the prayer, the six-step prayer, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. That's a prayer for step six. And the next paragraph, we're into step seven. Okay, did we? are we ready to let go of these things? Now we humbly ask God. And um, again, in this particular situation, step seven, I did step seven on my knees in front of my home group. And I encourage my sponsees to do the same. You don't have to. It's a suggestion. To me, it's a, it's, a, it's a question of how humble am I? And so for me, I need to be humble before God uh, with regard to uh, my character defects. I want to be rid of them. I don't want to be a people pleaser. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be self-centered. So I, I try to convey that as much as possible. Uh, to my sponsees, you know, I, this is what I did. This is what I encourage you to do as well. Uh, we're here to live a life where we're of service to others now. We're moving towards that. And then um, step eight. We're in, still on page 76. And so I asked them to read step 76 to the top of step 83. And um, we, through step five, we've identified the people that we have harmed. Uh, and with them, I ask them to write letters to these people, uh, even if they're, you know, entities like, you know, a political party or something, I mean, just, or, or, or a church or some, or, or some, some religious entity. Um, just write a letter to them. Um, admit the harm. That, that you have done in this letter. Uh, don't provide any excuses. Don't justify. Don't blame. Take your, just you, stay in your hula hoop. This is what you did. This is it. And then apologize for causing it. For, apologize for the harm you caused. Um, not apologize if you have harmed them. Apologize for harming them, period. And then 
the last thing is to identify how you will make amends. If it's a monetary amends, you know, I owe you, you know, $200 that I never paid back alone. So I'm going to pay you $200 well, or I will pay you $20 a month for the next 10 months to pay you back. Um, and then also amends are I'm going to change my behavior. I will not be that person that, that caused the child. I have taken, I, I am not going to be a, a selfish and judgmental person anymore. Uh, I'm going to be open and tolerant and loving towards all. Um, so those are, are those are the steps that, that I ask my, my sponsors to do. Here, here, here's the letter. I want, I want a letter. It doesn't have to be a, a, a dissertation. It stays very general or as far as we don't get into the weeds of, well, you did this, so I did that. It's just very, I did this. I was wrong. I am sorry for causing you any, I'm sorry for causing you harm. Uh, here's what I'm going to do to be different or to, to make amends to you, to, re, to make uh, uh, recompense to you. And then we read the eight-step prayer, which is on a three, I wish I had written this down, uh, which is, uh, so we clean house, uh, our prayer is, so we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And that's the eight-step prayer. Um, so uh, the next, it's the, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. And that takes us to step nine. And uh, this is where we make face-to-face amends wherever possible. Uh, absolutely. We try to make face-to-face amends wherever possible. I did it. And others, I encourage my sponsors to do it as well. Um, on page 76, just to go back, it, there's a reminder. We would go to any length for victory over food. And so that's a reminder. The, the, these amends are going to any length. So um, it also says on page 76, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So that's what step nine is all about to me. Um, and I try to encourage that. So I also ask them while they're doing step nine, we stay in daily contact again during this time. And with their step nine amends, uh, you know, it's been recommended and I think it's a good idea. Okay, three lists. People I'll make amends to now, people I'll make amends to later, and people not in a million years. But, you know, I still encourage them. Okay, the ones not in a million years, you're still going to have to make amends to to, if you want to be recovered. So um, we start with the now Eventually, the laters move in to the now column, and then eventually the not in a million years move into the now column. And then we go through the step 10 promises. Step 10 promises on page 83. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, and we go through each one of those, and we ask, I ask them, is that true? Is that true for you? Is that true for you? And you know, if they can say yes, then we're ready to go. Uh, we're, we're on to step 10. So now step 10 is that daily step four through nine. Um, I take an inventory on a daily basis. Where have I harmed people? Have I, have I been selfish in any way? Have I been gossiping? Have I done something that I need to make an amends for? And I talk it over with my sponsor if I, if I do come up with something. Um, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So these are things that I must do on a daily basis. And, uh, and, and that is going to keep my house clean. 
Um, so that, that brings us to the Step 10 promises. Step 10 promises, which made me cry when I finally read them with my sponsor after all these years and, and, and found them to be true for me. And I, you know, we, we read those together. Step 10 promises, are they true for you? And each one of those, are they? And uh, I found that that's the most deeply spiritual moment with my sponsor was, was reading the Step 10 promises because I knew that God was working in my life. That was part of my spiritual awakening. Um, so the reminder that we need to keep in fit spiritual condition, it brings us to step 11. Um, we have a daily reprieve. Um, so uh, we read this. Um, I have them read, uh, let's see, pages for step 11, the bottom of 85 to the end of the chapter, which is on page 88. We talk about the idea of failing to enlarge my spiritual life. Uh, that was back in more about alcoholism. If I fail to enlarge my spiritual life, then this is not going to work. I will eat again. Promise, promise I will eat again if I fail that. That's Marsha's promise. Um, so, uh, so I need to work on how am I going to enlarge my spiritual life? What am I going to do? How am I going to meditate today? And how are they going to meditate? How are they going to have a, have a daily contact with their higher power? How are they going to listen and, and do that work. And then, so they'll work on that. I mean, it's, 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 it's progress. It's, it's a work in progress. It gets better. It gets deeper as they go along. And, and same, the same happened with me. So we just work on, on you know, prayer and meditation and uh, listening for the, right, for the right thing to do, what the next right thing is, having, having that come from the power of prayer. Then I said, we're quiet. We can get it. We're quiet and we wait for God to give us the answer. Uh, we'll get it. Um, and that brings us to step 12, um, working with others. There, the, the chapter seven is, you know, the entire chapter is devoted to working with others and giving service. Um, usually uh, giving service it starts er, way earlier than this. It's, it's helping put chairs together to, uh, around the meeting room. Uh, it, it, it's making a phone call these tiny little things that can help you, me get out of the isolation. So I encourage them, okay, why don't you do a little service? You know, you've got some abstinence under your belt. You can lead a meeting now. Uh, you've got some abstinence under your belt. You can start making some phone calls. Uh, for me, I know some would don't recommend um, sponsoring until they've gone through all 12 steps. I personally feel once I started once I was done with step nine and I was starting on step 10, I felt that I had recovered to the point where I could be of service to somebody. So I began sponsoring people after step nine. And I, I find that, that that's where it works for me. And I thought it, for, for some of my sponsors, it works for them. And some sponsors are not ready to sponsor, but I encourage them to do that. You know, you're you're ready. You you're recovered. You're you're at a healthy body weight. You are. You've gone through the steps. You know, it, I when I have issues with or I, when I have uh, challenges with sponsoring, I talk it over with my sponsor. I mean, I don't know what to do about this situation. Can you give me give me some guidance? And I get guidance at, at, from my sponsor, and I get guidance from my higher power. And um, 
and, and I don't, I'm not perfect at this. I will never be perfect at sponsoring. I, I will, I'm learning, I'm growing. I will always be um, somebody who is imperfect, but trying. And, and I think that I'm doing, for the most part, I am doing what, what my higher power wants me to do. Uh, I do a lot of service in a way. Uh, I have, like I said before, I have four sponsees. Um, I serve as an intergroup rep. I have served as a region rep and a world service delegate. Um, that's a part of step 12. That's a part of giving back. Um, just, just making sure that, that we're carrying the message. And um, I just can't stress enough how important, again, how important sponsorship is. If I'm not, if I'm not giving back to this program, I've become a selfish person again. I've become somebody who is into myself, and I, I, I either through fear that I will be, I won't be good enough for somebody, or through selfishness, and I don't want to give my time to somebody. My, my, I want to go. I, I'm not going to be a good sponsor. I'm not going to do it. And I think that's a, a, um, for me, that is a, not something I can do. Uh, if I have the ability to help somebody to recover, uh, if I have that capacity and God gives me the ability to do that, then I should try. Um, you know, I, I, I'm here to give. Uh, we are now ready to serve others. I'm not going to chase people down for a, uh, if they don't want to call me, I'm not going to chase after them. They want it or they don't. I'm here to help if they want to do the program. And I'm going to continue to try to help wherever possible. Um, my life is now to give service, not just in OA, but in, in every aspect of my life, at work, with my family. Um, now I'm ready to help. So whatever God wants me to do, God, your will, not mine, be done. How can I best serve you today? And that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you very much, Marsha. And now I'll introduce Haya as our third and final panelist this morning. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Leah. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Hi, everyone. My name is Haya, and I am a very, very grateful, recovered, compulsive eater and bulimic um, in Denver, Colorado. And I just want to, first of all, thank um, thank Leah for asking me to be on this panel, and I feel very privileged to um, be on a panel with two uh, recovered compulsive eaters who so, you know, articulately were able to express how they take people through the steps. And I was taking notes um, you know, we're always learning. As someone said, you know, we know only a little. Um, you know, just a little bit of, <clears throat> I usually just ask God just to let me speak about what I need to speak about. And um, so it's always a surprise for me exactly what comes out, although I do have some notes as to what I would like to cover today. Um, I've been in Overeaters Anonymous for 27, 28 years. I'm 40, turning 47, and um, I'm very, very grateful that I never left, um, and I'm very, very grateful that I found uh, a meeting uh, about a, a little over a year and a half ago uh, that dedicates its all of its time to studying 
our textbook because what I found over the years was there were different times where I was in the book and out, and out of the book and um, which I won't go into today, but the point is, is that it was the message in the big book, the steps in the big book and the continuous effort um, that I must put in um, is what uh, got me recovered and sustained sustains my recovery on a daily basis. And, um, and by the way, I was in a thin body for most of that time. I lost my weight. And um, so it was the, it was the, the, the mental part, you know, it says in our book that the food was only a symptom. So um, in, and I don't want to repeat so much of what others said, but obviously, you know, we're, we're working from a textbook. So there's going to be um, some overlap, which I think is probably okay. Um, but the first thing I, I want to share is um, what Dr. Bob, well, two things. One is it says in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 89, it says, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking or for us eating as intensive work with other alcoholics or compulsive eaters. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. Carry this message to other alcoholics or compulsive eaters. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they are very ill. Life will take on a new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends, this is an experience you must not miss. You, we know you will not want to miss it. And here's, here's a big thing. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. And um, so I, I, I uh, emphasize the word newcomers because for a long time in OA um, and in the different factions of OA, unfortunately we have so many factions, but um, I, you know, I was sponsored by the same person for years and years and years and that um, prevented them from taking on a new person because their slots were full. And the same happened for me. I would sponsor people for years and years and I would always be, always have to say, I'm not available. I'm not available. I'm not available because I didn't have an extra slot. And it tells me here, frequent contact with newcomers is, um, and with each other is the bright spot. So, um, you know, nowhere in the first 164 pages does it does it even speak about the word sponsor. And um, so when someone calls me, um, well, let me just read one other piece I want to say. I'm going to read one other thing, and that is on page 174, um, the bottom of 174, in Dr. Bob's Nightmare. This was written by Dr. Bob, <clears throat> who was the other founder, Bill and Bob. Says I spend a great deal of time passing on what I learned to others who want and need it badly. I do it for four reasons. That the want it and need it. One, a sense of duty. Two, it is a pleasure. Three, because in doing so, I am paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. And four, because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against the possible slip. So two places right now in the book, they've told us that this is like really, 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 really important to be passing it on and giving it away. So um, when someone calls me 
to ask me um, if they'll sponsor them. First, I, I usually just ask them what's going on, you know, like, tell me what's up with you. And they'll give me a little bit of what's been going on with them. And, um, you know, one a little saying I once heard, which I have found in my experience is very true, although I'm not a mathematician, so I don't know the exact uh, numbers. The generalization is they come in by the hundreds and they leave by the 99s. And, um, you know, I, I've, this has been my experience, you know, people come in, they want it, they, they say, oh, I want, please sponsor me, you know, and then, and then they don't call or they don't follow through or, or they just want to focus on food and, and, and not the remaining, you know, the, the actual part that gets us recovered, which is the other, you know, 11 steps. So um, I ask them what's going on. And then, and then we talk about what, you know, what, what really is the definition of a sponsor, because, like I said before, I started to say before, there is no word sponsor in the first 164 pages or I've never seen it. And, um, you know, I have an acronym for sponsor. I changed it up a little bit. I heard it once and I changed it up to, to this, which is a, a sober person offering newcomer the steps of recovery, S-P-O-N-S-O-R, sponsor, the st- steps of recovery, because that's all I can do is offer them the steps of recovery. Um, so we talk about what a sponsor is and, you know, a, a sponsor is not somebody who, um, I call my food into and then I tell my problems to and, um, and then they give me their advice. Um, or, uh, you know, my sponsees do not call me, uh, just to give me their food and tell me, you know, uh, how their day was. And then I give them advice. Um, that's not what a sponsor is. The only understanding I, I know the word sponsor grew out of this passing on the steps, one sober person to the next person that was not. And then when they became sober, they passed it on. So we talk about what, you know, what a sponsor is. Um, and we also talk about what a sponsor is going to look like later. Because what I say is, you know, I'll, it says in our big book here, on page 98 in working with others, burn the idea. Oh, wait, here it says, um, on page 98, it says, blah, 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 blah. job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking or for us eating so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts God and clean house. Trust in God and clean house. The woman who took me through the steps um, most recently when I found the Vision for You meeting and I, I called a friend the day before I went to the Vision for You meeting, uh, which is just an OA meeting that studies our text. It's not a program. Um, but I said, you know, I don't feel recovered. I'm in this thin body, but I don't feel recovered. And, um, and it was, I know why it was because I, two reasons. One is I fully, 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 fully wasn't totally clear on what our exact problem was because I was just always told, you know, here's a food plan. And, and, um, so I really didn't understand, understand it from the doctor's opinion. And the other piece was I was not living in steps 10, 11, and 12 as it's written in the book. And, um, and so now I, I, uh, when I did that, you know, so I had reached out to someone, got a bunch of numbers, found somebody. They they ate when I was uh, right after I finished. I did my ninth step. They stopped sponsoring and they were they left the program. I don't know if they're back in the program. I I'd spoken to her uh, once, but you know if my dependence was on a sponsor, I would have been in trouble. And just like you know, Bill 
got the steps from Ebby, you know, but Ebby drank after that. So Phil became dependent on Ebby. We all wouldn't be here. So I'm really clear that my job is really to just help them to guide them through the steps so that they can find a power greater than themselves that restore, can restore them to sanity and that they can rely on that power. So what sponsoring looks like, you know, and what I ask of them is, you know, all I ask of you is that you then pass on what I gave to you, this, this, the information in this textbook. And so the time that I spend with a sponsee today, um, once they're living in, um, living in steps 10, step 11, and step 12, and I'll talk about that towards the end, that they are not one little step 10, 11, and 12, <laughs> but it's actually three different things that we're doing. Um, when they're living in that, when they've recovered and now they're living in the steps that we have to continue uh, utilizing on a daily basis, that the time that they spent, that I spent with them, that they now spend that with a new person. And that makes room for me to now bring another newcomer into my life to work with them. And then uh, because, and I'm going to get to the next thing that we do, um, and then they've got a network of recovered people that they've developed over the time that they can now um, be in touch with on, you know, a regular basis so that when they have something come up, a step 10 issue that needs to come up or anything, that there's a network, that there's a, a, a um, just a network of, you know, kind of their support system of other recovered compulsive eaters that are now in the same place they are. You know, there's no higher, you know, Leah always says we don't rise above human, you know, that they're a human who is now recovered and now trudging the same road of happy destiny that, that I am and, um, and that they are. And so um, making room for that con frequent contact with newcomers that the book um, insists that we do. So after, um, you know, after we talk about what a sponsor is, I say, look, you know, you know, they can call their food into me. That's fine. But if, you know what, let's get clear. If you're calling your food into somebody every day and they're, you're just giving them your, you know, they're just giving you advice. That's like an accountability buddy. That's because I could call my food in day after day and still not eat what I called in. You know what I mean? So calling it in doesn't, doesn't, um, re that, that, that's just one little tool that we can use. But if we don't utilize the rest of the steps, that's really not going to go a whole, a whole long, long way. Um, so then I talk about some requirements. So, you know, we hear very over and over that the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating. Well, that is the requirement for the membership of the fellowship. And so you don't even, when nobody asks you, you know, prove it. You don't even have to prove that you have a desire, right? So um, that's the requirement to, to be in the fellowship. And, you know, when the book was first written, the fellowship and the, and the actual program of recovery were synonymous with each other. Um, today, that's not really the case. We really have a fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous, and then we have the book, um, the textbook that teaches us what we actually have to do, the program of recovery. So the only requirement to be a member of our fellowship, to, you know, come to a meeting and say you're a member of OA is a desire to stop eating, and maybe you don't even have that. But there are requirements to recover, and we find that as we go through the book. Um, Instead, it uses the word requirements, you know, several times. So there are requirements to recover, and those are in the book. And then I say, you know, I also have some requirements when I work with people, and that is not a requirement to recover. I'm very clear. Um, if any of the women that I work with are on this line, you know, they're, they're nodding their heads because I'm very clear about that. That's not a requ requirement. The requirements that I have to work with me are not requirements to recover. They're just requirements that I, that I set up with my sponsor 
has them and, and it's, it's been from trial and error and what works and what doesn't. And so I have a few requirements. One is that they do attend a meeting like vision for you. Um, wrap on the later. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Got a, got a little text in my So that the only, that the requirements of, of just being able to, um, create, go, go to a meeting like a vision for you. It doesn't have to be a vision for you, but, a, but a meeting that, that studies the book. And then, uh, so that they're hearing the message, they're replacing the old thinking with some new thinking, getting the new information. Um, I do have a requirement that they call other people in the program, other recovered people that have recovered through the book. So that they start to create this network and, um, and then that they have a plan of eating, whether, you know, we will go over and, and, and the other ladies talked about, and I do the same thing. We go over their foods, what foods do you know have been a problem for you that you know for sure? What do you think might be a problem for you that we identify those and learn through the doctor's opinion that they must be uh, eliminated from, from, uh, from ingestion. And then, um, and the requirement is that they develop some kind of food plan, whether they get it from the government website, whether they get it from a doctor, they get it from a nutritionist, they go to a, a, someone who does nutritional counseling, um, that they get a plan of eating that they can work with. And, um, and, and that might change over time. We, we know it does, um, but they have those. And if they, they can have those requirements, then we can work together. Once we do that, um, I have found um, 26 years ago, I went to a workshop with these two guys um, from AA, uh, Joe and Charlie, they're, they're dead now, um, and they did a workshop where they go sp- right through the book as it's written. They're not throwing in their own opinions of it. They really just had a way of articulating the actual big book, and they would just, we would sit and just, uh, jaws would open because... I, just to understand it was, was amazing. And I, um, I listen to those. They have them on tape on, on the Internet now. You can listen and download, and they go through every single chapter, and it's been extremely helpful. So I utilize that. I have found that to be the most effective way to help people um, get through the steps. Is, um, and I ha- what I have my sponsors do is they read the forewords in the book. They listen to um, these guys give over um, explanation of it, and they write down any new insights, any questions, any things they don't understand, anything that jumps out of them, things that they identified with. Do that for all the forewords, the preface, everything up to the doctor's opinion. Call me when you do it, when you're done with it, and let's talk about it. And then we talk about it and point out different things. If they have questions, well, I'll try to help them understand what the book is trying to say. And then we do that with the doctor's opinion. And I have them read the doctor's opinion, highlight what jumps out at them, what they identify with, what they don't understand. Listen to Joe and Charlie on it. Listen to Ruth. We have a, this beautiful website with archives of um, recovered members. And Ruth actually recovered through, I believe it was Joe that took her through the steps. Um, so she goes through the doctor's opinion. I have that, Feb- that's, I believe, Thanksgiving Day of 2012. And I have them listen to that, write about it, think about it, make comments, questions, new insights, and then call me and let's talk about it. And we talk about that and go through that. And we do that through build stories. There is a solution. We agnostics. And we have to, you know, a lot of times I'm dealing, you know, there's a lot of people who have been religious their whole life and now it's coming to a new understanding of God. And, and but through we agnostics, we're able to see where you currently are agnostic. Um, so they listen to, they read it. They listen to uh, the the 
the archives on We Agnostics from A Vision for You. They'll listen to Joan Charlie um, so that they can really appreciate what the book is trying to teach us. And we talk about that. And we go through that. And then Chapter 5, I do have them listen to it and then any of the archives and read it. And then we read it together because Chapter 5 is where we begin action. Um, everything up to that is conclusion. And the beginning of Chapter 5 is going to be the action, well, the first, the decision to take Step 3. And I don't have the benefit of having, uh, sounds like St. Louis has a, a, a strong home group. Um, I am hoping that in Denver we will um, – get a group. I'm sponsoring now two women in Denver, thank God. And um, hopefully they will, you know, we will then be able to um, flower out and, and be able to have a, a home group here where we can then take the third step prayer with our group. Um, but we take the third step together uh, on the phone, whether I hear a little bit of um, chiming. I don't know. I hope you Leah, just let me know if you can hear me. Okay. I hear some kind of weird noise on the phone. Um, can you hear me? Okay. We hear you fine. I'll try to okay, take great. that. Great. Thank you. So we do the third step together. Um, I do the third step flat on my stomach, you know, like I don't even want to just be on my knees. I just need it to be as close to the ground as possible, as humble as possible. And I just like prostrate myself right on the floor and, and, you know, my, my sponsees, what, you know, what, what they're comfortable with, but we do do it together. And usually it's on their knees or flat on the floor. And we say that third step together and, and we discuss what is that decision that you're making and what is the decision you're making? What does it mean to turn my will and my life over to the care of God? My will is my thinking. My life is my actions. What it means is I am going to go through with the remaining steps. That's the decision I've made. That's what step three is, as I understand it. So we, we go through that. I do have them read and I do have them listen um, to any of the archives and Joe and Charlie on it because, I, again, I don't want them to, making dependence on me. I want them to understand that this, you know, this book was the first, was really the sponsor that was disseminated around, around the, the United States and then the globe, you know, when there weren't people everywhere, when there were just people in New York and in, and in, and in Ohio, right? We, we made, they made this book so that it could sponsor people. So um, we go through chapter five and then we begin the action immediately. You know, as soon as we take the third step, it says, I go, you know, we say, uh, may I do thy will always. Um, I do add one little word. I don't do a lot of additions to the big book. I think it's just fine the way it is, but I do add joyfully. Um, uh, may I do thy will joyfully because I, I need to continue to remind myself that we're, we're, we want to be happy, joyous, and free. And, um, and so, um, and then I go, okay, next we launched. And we, you know, it says in the book, next we launched into a rigorous course of action. It doesn't say, you know, take your time, hang out for a while, wait till you have 90 days. It says next. And so we next go into step four. We talk about what the purpose is of step four. Um, these don't so good at explaining that this is there's nothing to be afraid of in fact i usually tell people you should be afraid not to take step four <laughs> rather than to be afraid to take step four and step four is just the beginning of the inventory process the inventory process is step four five six seven eight and nine and the only time we really take time to pause is um, between step five and step six and seven, it says after we've done step five, we go home for an hour. And, um, and that's not even a break. It's to go home, to reflect on what we did, to ask, to, to spend time with the God that we're starting to get to know a little bit better. We don't really know him yet, but we know him a little bit better. Him, her, it, whatever, the universe, whatever that is for you. And um, 
step four, by the way, two weeks, maybe, you know, as fast as it can get done. As someone said earlier, we're in a race against time to get through that ninth step, to get to the 10th step. Um, I was told, you know, and I, I believe this is so true, that putting down the food um, is like holding my breath underwater. Um, my solution was eating. Um, my, my problem was when I didn't have the food. My problem was living. And so putting down the food and not filling that space with, with, with God um, and that space was, was, was filled with resentment and fear and um, self-pity and um, inconsideration. All, that's what it was filled with. And I needed to get that out and fill it with God because um, I couldn't fill it with food anymore. And so we, we are in a race. This is not um, spend a whole long time. And because this is a process that we continue to do in step 10 for the rest of my life, you know, I do believe it's somewhat self-correcting in the sense that do the work that's, you know, I always ask them, just, just ask your higher power, whatever that is for you at this moment, just to help you make that list, help you make step, you know, the column two, the column three, the column four, just do, do whatever is in front of you now, because we're going to be doing this the rest of our life, right? So we do as fearless and thorough as we, as possible at this moment in time. So step four is hopefully done very, very quickly. Um, and then you see the people go out by the 99. Right. They 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 everything's hunky dory until they until they get off their knees and they have to do step four and then everything slows down, you know, and then you see the people that are staying and the people that are going or or um, maybe just aren't desperate enough. Um, so we do step four, step five. We do as soon as step four is done. Um, usually it's over the phone. I have had somebody fly me in once to where they live so that we, we could do it together. That was really, really special. Um, I had the privilege I was sponsoring a lady in New Jersey last year, and we timed it that when I got to New Jersey was the time she did her fifth step, and we were able to do it together um, since I've been, you know, over this last year in Dallas and then back in now, now in Denver. It's been over the phone. Five, we do as soon as we can, as, as quickly as possible. Six and seven, the directions in the book are very clear. Um, you go home, and then uh, we, we have that list of objectionable, of the character defects, the shortcomings, the objections. They're all the same thing. Through the fourth step, we've identified them together. Um, oh, yeah, that's called, you know, and I, I think, you know, self selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear and consider and consideration have a lot of costumes. Um, so um, there's a lot of words that could fit under those categories, but they'll be, it'll be a little more, uh, my, my, my uh, disease likes to be a little more creative. And, and so it has costumes like being judgmental, you know, or um, I can't even think of them now and I don't want to take the time, but we'll have a whole list of, of defects of character, willing to let go of them is step six, asking God to remove them is step seven. It's spiritual surgery. You know, my husband had his sinuses removed after the sign, after the sinuses were after the sinus surgery and he could breathe. He didn't say, Oh, I did that to myself. No, he laid on the table, was willing to have the doctor remove all the stuff that was in his sinuses. And now he can breathe. So I lay on that table on step seven and ask God to remove my character defects and, um, and then to replace them with, um, with character, you know, with the opposite of them, because we need to replace them with new behavior so I can act differently. My experience with step seven is, you know, let's say I'm jealous. That's a, and I say, okay, God, please remove this jealousy, you know, through the step, seven step. You know, you know what happens? I'm in a situation where I'm with my husband and a gorgeous woman walks in the room and starts talking, you know, to us. And, and I have the opportunity to feel jealous 
or, or somebody gets something, a job that I wanted or, or more money or, or uh, an honor at a dinner that I wanted to be honored at, you know, whatever. And then I get to, to practice, am I going to feel jealous or am I going to feel um, happy for them and realize that God gives me everything I need? We do step six, seven, eight, make a list. We got that through step four, our list. Step nine, go out and make those amends. We take the, the, the ones that we can do right away. They go and do them. We talk about how to do them. I very often have them call. Have my, my, the people I'm working with have called them called two other recovered people. If I'm not, if it's not really clear what, how the amends should be made, I'll say, you know what, could you call two other recovered people, bounce it off of them. Let's, let's see what the consensus is of the best way to do this because we want to make sure that we're not making more harm and, um, and we do step nine. So I want to just focus the last three minutes of my talk on steps 10, 11, and 12. Um, ten, once we get to step nine, you know, now we've officially, you know, gotten, we've done the inventory process. We do feel differently, hopefully. Everyone has different kinds of experiences with it. Um, and um, but step 10, step 11, and step 12 are three distinct steps that I must live. I used to say it's like getting off the roller coaster, taking steps up towards the merry-go-round and getting on the merry-go-round of steps 10, 11, and 12 that have to keep going round and round and round and round. But what I really feel like it is in a way is it's an up, someone, I think it's Kim who says, you know, it's like going up a down escalator. You know, I'm going, and it keeps going round and round that escalator, right? It's the same metal steps. They just keep going round and round. So I'm going up that down escalator, meaning, you know, the, the, Atrophy will bring me back down to, you know, and I will just spiral back down and my head will be in food. So I have to work very actively at step 10. Step 10 is not an inventory at the end of the day. Step 10 is throughout the day when, when these things crop up. Ask God to remove them. Talk to someone about it. Make amends if I've harmed anyone and then go help someone else. And, um, and that's what I do. And, and sometimes it's, it's got to be written down and I got to kind of go through the columns if it's a big resentment. And sometimes it's, it's quick, but it's something that I do throughout the day. And then there are opportunities at times where I do a little bit of a bigger one. I'm actually in one right now where I'm just doing a more, a, a, a thorough 10 step, like just going through the columns, basically doing four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, kind of in, in a bigger way. Um, so that's throughout the day I do that. And it tells us in the book that the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. And it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action. The spiritual program of action is steps four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's easy to let up on that. But we can't because alcohol food is a subtle foe. What we have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. How do I keep my spiritual condition maintained? I have to keep doing steps four through nine, which is step 10. I have to develop a relationship, improve my conscious contact with God through step 11. I don't need to spend the time on the phone explaining what I do. It's right in the book. It tells us to do, we have suggestions. And you know what I do? People go, how do you do your step 11? I do exactly what's in the book. I wake up in the morning. I ask God to direct my thinking, to divorce it from self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives. Exactly what it says. I do, I have come back to my religion so I do do the religious prayers that is asked of me in my religion. And I do meditate. It does say prayer and meditation. And I do. I sit for 16 to 20 minutes in quiet meditation. I have like some things that I, mantras that I, that I have, um, that I say from my, from my religion, um, that, that I keep those thoughts in my head for, those, for that period of time. 
And I do that on a daily basis. And then at the end of the day, I do an evening review. Usually it's written down and I answer at the end of the day, we right before retiring. And I go through those questions and I ask, and I actually email that to um, my little my little support system, my, my three women that I consider my sponsors, right? The women that I, I kind of know me really well and, and I bounce things off of. And then step 12. Step 12 asks me to practice these principles in my affairs, which means it's not just okay for me to be really nice to you. I have to be nice to the people in my life and I have to treat them like the book tells us with love and tolerance. And thank God the book says progress, not perfection, because I'm not so great at that all the time, especially going through perimenopause. So it's a whole new ball game here. And I have to constantly use my step 10 and my step 11. And step 12 also asks me to carry the message to other compulsive eaters. And that is what I did today. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you. Hi, and thank you to our three panelists this morning, Michelle, Marsha, and Haya, for your sharing with us and doing so in such a thorough manner. We appreciate your time and energy on the line this morning. Before we open the floor for questions, we're going to start out with some contact information. This will be repeated at the end of the recording. Uh, For Michelle H., who resides in St. Louis, Missouri, that would be Central Time. The number is 314-605. 8662. Again, 314-605-8662. Haya, who resides in Denver, Colorado, she can be reached at 972-740-6306. Again, that's 972-740-6306. Marcia, if you're still online and can unmute and give us your phone number. I did not give permit, get permission to give out your phone number yet. Uh, certainly. Um, I, my landline, I, I, if you don't mind, is uh, area code 636-812-2509. Thank you. That, again, for Marcia B., who resides in St. Louis, Missouri, that number is 636 636- Eight one two two five zero nine. We're going to now open the floor for question and answer period. In the interest of time, please refrain from comments and utilize the time for questions only. And also request to keep questions rather general so that more can benefit. If you have very detailed and specific uh, questions, I'm sure they can be addressed one on with one-on-one conversations at a later time. So we appreciate your cooperation. No comments, and please keep questions on the more general side so that all can benefit. And who Nancy, has the first question? Hi, this is Yvette. Nancy Yvette. from Massachusetts. Yvette, and then who else did I hear? Nancy. Nancy. Okay, let's start with Yvette and then Nancy. Thanks. Hi, um, this is Yvette from New Jersey. I really appreciate everything you said. Um, Marsha, you had given three sort of questions about why I'm not willing to let go and who will I become, but I lost. I missed the third question. If you could repeat oh, those. Certainly. Um, the, those are the three proposals. What am I not willing to let go of? Why am I not willing? 
and who would I be if I were to let go? Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Yvette. Let's move on with to Nancy now. Thank you. Um, I'd just like Kaya to repeat the acronym for sponsor. Sure. Sober, person, offering, newcomer, the steps of recovery. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And who's next? Thanks, Nancy. Jason from Pensacola. Hey, Jason, go ahead. My question is really for, for anyone. Um, I, I think it might have been uh, that might have been prompted by something that Michelle said, but if you have a sponsee or you're working with someone and you sense that, uh, I don't know, you, you, you kind of go into the steps and maybe they haven't totally gotten step one. One of you had said that you really need to, you're not, you're not doing them any favors by moving forward and you go back to the doctor's opinion. How do you... How do you measure that? How do you determine how they're making progress? Okay. Um, hi, this is Michelle. I, um, yeah, those were my words, Jason. Good morning to you. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, like I said, I check in with my sponsee, um, how they're doing as we're going through step one, you know, reading the doctor's opinion and Bill's story and going through their food history. And so I'm talking to them, asking them, um, you know, how they're doing and progressing with their food, and they're giving me their food planned every day. And so um, I tell them, too, like my sponsor told me, I can only help them if they're honest with me. So, you know, um, you know, after <clears throat> just knowing my own disease and knowing how I self-deceived and, and little things that I would say maybe by omission or the way I would hedge around things, and um, so I'll kind of notice maybe some hedging, and then I'll just point blank ask, you know, how's your food today? And and they're realizing that I am there to help them, and that I too, you know, have this um, have this disease. And so you know, they they get honest with me, like I got honest with my sponsor, basically. And I think just um, listening, really listening to what people are saying and reading, you know, and sometimes what they're not saying, sometimes what they're not saying. So it just it's taken me practice, and. Um, and then basically just building that honest relationship. I'm honest, and they're honest with me, and that's how it usually comes out, Jason. Thanks. Thank you, Jason, for the question. Who's next? This is Susan. Hi, Susan. Your turn. Hi. Good morning, Leah. Thanks. Thank you all. Leah and all three speakers. I missed the first question. I was off the line for a minute, so hopefully this isn't a repeat. Um, the the last speaker um, spoke of of her requirements, and you know, as sponsors, I imagine you all have some requirements beyond the desire to stop eating compulsively. And I wanted to ask, um, in terms of keeping commitments of phone calls. I imagine each of you have a committed time that you set aside with each sponsee. And let's say the sponsee does not call at the designated time, and uh, perhaps that might become a pattern. Uh, at what point do you assess the situation, talk about the situation, and or, um, you know, what what kind of a dialogue do you have around that uh, sort of uh, behavior? Thanks so much. Thank you, Susan. 
Um, this is Marcia. Um, usually, you know, if they don't call at the specific time or they call at a, at a, um, a later time or, or they don't call for a couple of days, um, when they do call, you know, we talk about it. I mean, I, I, if it comes up in the conversation, I said, well, you know, it, you get as much out of the program as you put into it, so I want you to know that you know you're you're you know I'm available for you, um, if you want. If this time isn't working for you, is there a better time, or um, if it's and and usually it's it's kind of clear that 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 there's a commitment issue uh, on their part. So you know it, it's okay. I, I'm not going to chase after them for. Uh, to sponsor them. Oh, I, I have to. I have to help you. I have to. Help. You know, the, the willingness has to be on their part, and and I'll do what I can. You know, and they they must do their part though. But like, I won't chase after them. Um, if they're, you know, if it's a few minutes later, if I can squeeze them in, if they call and I happen to be uh, open, then you know, we'll talk. As long as they're making the effort, I'm not going to hold them to a specific time. Um, so it, it's. This is their program, and and or this is this is the, the program of recovery. If they they put the effort in, you know they'll get what they put into it, and and I will do my best to try and guide them. That's and and you know God is in charge of everything else. Thank you. This is Hyatt. Oh, yes. Actually, it's Susan. Can I just say ask one other thing related to it? I, I just wanted to clarify. The, there, there's also the fact that, you know, at least in my understanding, it's important that I be respectful of my own time as well. And so I just wonder how you guys, I always use the word balance, that you balance the two of being helpful and being respectful of one's own needs, time, commitments, etc. Thanks so much. Now I'll mute and won't, won't speak up again. Haya, you wanted to respond? Yes, I, I was going to say that for, for a long time in a way I, I had um, very – you know, I would have times that people would call and that would, um, it, I don't do that anymore. Um, I, I don't, um, because they're working, they're doing the work. And when they're, when they do the work, call me. <laughs> and now we have texting, which is so easy when's good. And then we figure out a time when's good. And that's when we'll talk because then we're in the next thing. Um, so, and you know, I, I help, I have to help people because for me, um, and I hope that they'll come along for the ride. Um, but I'm really clear that I'm not in your car. You know, I can't drive your car. I can't get in your car. I have to drive alongside you. And hopefully you'll drive alongside me and I can show you. Um, but if you pull over, I'm not pulling over. I'm going to continue going. So I never tell somebody oh, I'm not working with you anymore. It's just, you know, reach out. Call me. Let's connect. When we connect, we'll do the next thing. And then and we go on. Um, so that's that's what I uh, and I have a busy life as a result of these steps. <laughs> I have a spiritual awakening, and I got a lot going on. And um, I I I have a life, and um, I hope that they'll get a life once they recover. And 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 so it's it's a very active, dynamic um, process. This is Michelle. <clears throat> yes, go ahead, Michelle. Um, yeah, Susan, I I did have that experience. Um, because I, I do have um, time constraints. I, um, you know, I, I have a, a, um, a, a position where I can't always take phone calls and can't always, um, you know, work with people as, as the time comes up. So I, mine is a little more structured. That's just, that's just what works for me. And so I do have time slots. 
And so in the beginning, I'm, I'm noticing that um, they're calling a little bit later and a little bit later. And so, you know, I, I pray about it, and I'm, I'm trying to be gentle and caring and loving and tolerant, yet at the same time, like you say, I'm respectful of myself, self, self-caring too. And so I'm, I'm praying and asking God, well, is this a pattern? Is there, is there a pattern happening here? Is this um, maybe being disrespectful or is, time, or is things just coming up? And so I'll pray about it, and then when I'm directed, and it's um, amazing to me on the times that this has happened to me when I'm ready to say, okay, I think that this is you know higher power nudging me. I need to say something. Every time that person has said, you know what, I noticed that, you know, Michelle, I'm not calling at the time that designated, so I'm going to be accountable. You know what, if I need to, I'm going to, you know, set the timer um, on my phone or whatever to help me to be, to be prompt and to meet that time. So for me, um, I need to have a little structure because when I'm working with people and I have time slots, that's the time that I'm giving um, to them. And, um, you know, and I find that, yeah, I need to be respectful to myself, too. And I, um, I'm, I'm teaching and practicing these principles in all my affairs. So that's, um, that's my experience. Thanks. Thank you, Susan, for the question. Who's next? Star one to unmute. This is Frida. Frida, your turn. Go ahead. Uh, yes, uh, you've all touched upon. Uh, you talked about how uh, you make you work with your sponsees to make a list of the foods, their binge foods, and they have to put the food down, and then you start working through the steps. Now, what happens if, as you're going through the book, they pick up their food again? Um, do you stop and go back to the beginning, or and if it keeps happening? Do you come to a point where you say, I can't sponsor you anymore? How do you deal with that? Thank you. This is Marcia. Um, I don't fire sponsees um, because they've, you know, they're chronic um, going back to this food. Um, we do go back to step one. You know, we, we talk about the food. We talk about, what, you know, do they do they know what's going on and try and talk through the, the issue. But then we go back to step one. We're, you know, all right, we didn't take step one yet. Uh, there's an issue, obviously, that you, you're, you feel somehow that you can, you, you can eat again. So let's talk about that. Let's go back to step one. I mean, I did it with my sponsor. I mean, you know, had to go back to step one. Because I, I ate. I ate compulsively. So, you know, I'm not going to make them do anything I haven't done myself. So we go back to step one and we, we work through step one and go back through the steps again. Thank you, Marcia. Did any of the other panelists want to respond? Um, this is Kaya. Oh. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Michelle. Okay. Um, I, I was just saying that I had that same experience, you know, with my, when I was working with my sponsor. Um, you know, I, I will say that I wasn't real happy about the idea that, you know, maybe if I was on step two or three going back to step one, and I wasn't happy about it, but I was trusting in my sponsor and um, would go back and reread doctor's opinion, would go back to that little book and see, you know, do I see that I'm powerless, do I see that I'm unmanageable, uh, review, see if anything else has come out, come up for me. And so I do the same with my sponsees. Um, and sometimes, you know, on occasion, a sponsee will be upset and say, um, you know, I'm not going to do that. You know, um, 
I don't see any reason why I need to, even though I ate, you know, compulsively. I don't think I ate compulsively, and I'll, I'll share and I'll say, well, my experience would be, uh, you know, what you described would be eating compulsively for me, and so my experience is this. Um, but I never argue or, or debate. Um, but this, I just say, this is the way I sponsor. And um, if this, you know, if if this is not the way you want to be sponsored, there's there's other sponsors, and and maybe you'll find someone who'll do it differently. But that's how I was sponsored, and that's um, how I recovered. So that's what I do. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle. Haya, did you want to offer? Sure. Um, sure. I think uh, it's a great question. I think um, you know different cases are are different. I mean, Dr. Bob drank. Um, and then ran and did all his ninth step events, you know, and uh, and then never drank again, as I as I believe that's how the story, you know, that's how his story is. So um, it just really depends, I think, with compulsive eating, um, with food, with you know, there are new levels of understanding of what you're powerless over. Sometimes it's behavior. Sometimes it's food you didn't realize. Um, and I also think that. Um, it just really depends on the situation. I've had sponsees where we've had to go back to the very beginning and really fully understand the doctor's opinion. And then I've had sponsees where it was like, you need to finish this inventory process because, yeah, you're going to pick up the food, you know, because, again, food was the solution. So I think the food teaches us the powerlessness sometimes more than reading the book. Um, you know, sometimes that, that experience, the food will teach me um, and and we'll we'll teach others. So I think each in, each situation is um, you know is is individualized to see what you know what what needs to happen because the point is to get um, to get recovered and um, we need to we need to that that needs to be the kind of the goal in mind. Thank you, Frida, for the question. Who's next with a question this morning? Hi, this is Rita. I have two questions. Hi, Rita. Go ahead. Um, I know it's an outside issue, but that little book um, that they're identifying for powerlessness has been mentioned by two of the presenters and now again. Um, how can, you know, we get that information, what that little book is, this seems to be so important. That's my first question. Okay, and we'll take care of that after the recording has concluded. Go ahead with your second question. And what is identified, um, someone speaking, that was a more thorough fourth step that they're using now and giving to their sponsees? Uh, how do you obtain that? And that, too, will be... Um, dealt with after the recording has concluded. Thank you. Those are outside pieces of literature and resources, and although they can be very, very helpful, uh, we will not uh, record them at this time. Thank you. And who's next with a question? Thanks, Rita. Who's next with a question? Star one to unmute. Three panelists here. Yes, go ahead. Eager to serve. Go ahead. I have a question for was it Mia or Hia? 
We've um, got uh, Haya, perhaps. Haya, I'm sorry. Haya, mm-hmm. that's her. Um, she quoted a page from the um, big book that stated that something to the effect that we want and need the meetings. Can she give me that page number again, please? Mm-hmm. Want and can you just um, want and need? Oh, maybe in Dr. Bob, maybe in Dr. Bob, let me get the page for you. I think this is what you're saying, what you're asking for, perhaps. Um, it says on page bottom of page 180, I spend a great deal of time passing on what I learned to others who want and need it badly. I do it for four reasons, sense of duty. It is a pleasure because in doing so, I am paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. And because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible flip. It's on page 180 and 181. And then he goes on to say that, um, you know, unlike most of our crowd, he didn't get over his craving um, for liquor much during the first two and one half years of abstinence. It was almost always with him, but at no time had we, had he yielded, um, but he didn't necessarily not have the, the, the desire. Thanks for the question. Mm-hmm. This is Heidi. Heidi, your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Heidi, compulsive overeater in Denver. Thank you, panelists, for being here this morning. My question for you, as, uh, as someone who is in recovery and is doing steps, uh, and that's step four, how do you guide your sponsees in terms of um, helping newcomers get started, or at what point do you feel it's appropriate for them to maybe take someone through the forward or the doctor's opinions, those those beginning elements of the big book. Thank you. I'll answer that. This is Haya. Um, if that's okay, Leigh, I can I can go first on that. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, it just what what the the image that pops in my brain is you know when whenever we're on an airplane, you know it says you got to put your oxygen mask on first. Um, and then, uh, and then put it on others. And, and the oxygen mask for me, um, was, you know, like I said earlier, you know, being out of the food, but not recovered is like being under water without oxygen. So what is the oxygen? The oxygen is all of those steps up to step nine and then continuing with step 10, 11, and 12. So my focus is always on getting through the work myself, um, getting that sponsee through the work. And then once they're recovered um, in that state of living in step 10, 11, and 12, 10, 11, and 12, then that's step 12 is the time to start um, taking others through the steps. That doesn't mean we don't um, connect and, you know, share with them where they're getting their information from or say, you know, you might want to call some of these people. These are recovered ladies that I know or men that I know, or here's a good meeting that I heard, or do you need a ride to the meeting? Um, But to go and teach teach something that um, that I haven't yet actually finished the course. And, of course, we never finished the course, but meaning we haven't gone through that inventory process um, is, a little, is a little premature in my experience. And um, just keep your, keep your focus on your own recovery, and then, and then you'll have the joy of, of being able to pass it on. Thank you, Heidi, for the question. Anyone else this morning? Questions related to sponsorship? Hi, this is Marva. Hi, Marva. Go ahead. Marva, go ahead. Um, 
I have a question. I I feel as though um, I can't find a sponsor. Um, I'm a newcomer. I want recovery. As one of the panelists said, you know, I um, food um, is my solution, and I really would like to find one. So, can someone tell me what's the best way? Well, welcome, Marva, to uh, a vision for you. Um, is this your first meeting at a vision for you? Well, if it is your first meeting, I certainly do uh, encourage you and invite you to uh, offer your name and your phone number after the conclusion of this recording. And I also invite you to attend the Vision for You meeting tomorrow morning. Perhaps we meet Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. There is a time when newcomers are greeted. That would be a great time to offer your number. And any of our panelists want to respond to Marva with anything different? Okay. No, I agree with what you said, Leah. You know, it's a wonderful opportunity, and and then the non-recorded meeting where um, people can ask for sponsors or or say they're available, or um, you know, finding finding a meeting, um, start going to face-to-face meetings, and and maybe you'll hear someone who also um, embraces the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous as a way to be you know recovered um, in that group. Um, this is Kaya. Um, I thanks Michelle for that. I also encourage people maybe not use the word sponsor, but when they're making phone calls, asking people say, "I'm looking for someone who can take me through the steps. I'm looking for a recovered person who can take me through the steps," because um, that's really what you're what what it sounds like you're looking for. Thank you. And uh, the website will also be given at the conclusion of this recording, and certainly. We invite you to take a look at the website and register on that member contact list. I believe there's almost 900 names that are current on that list, and uh, that will also give you an opportunity to make some phone calls if you wish to do so. Anyone else this morning with a question for our panelists? I have a question. Yes, and your Hi, name? This is Francis. I have a question. Hi, Francis. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you. I would like to ask each of the panelists, do they have a criteria on how many sponsees they will work with at any given time? Thank you. Thank you. Hi. This is Marcia. Um, right now I have four sponsees, and I work a full-time job. Um, so it's I'm at my limit right now. Um, just to, I, I'm a manager of a team, you know, so I, I, my time is pretty. Um, I get up early in the morning, so I go to, go to bed early at night, and, and uh, so so my time is is, is my, evenings. I, I answer phone calls from sponsees, and I answer a phone call from a sponsee in the morning. So uh, and then I talk to my sponsor in the evening as well. So that's. I, I that's my limit 
I, uh, I'd like to be able to make more time for people, and I'm certainly a- able to take phone calls from people. But my commitment uh, as a you know daily sponsor uh, sponsoring is is uh, pretty much there at the limit right now. Thank you, Marcia. Anyone else want to respond to that question? Um, this is Haya. I um. I have people at different step points in the steps, so um, it really, you know, usually if somebody calls me and we we talk about what, you know, what's going on with them, I just do what I shared earlier and get them get them going. And if they keep calling, I'll keep giving them, you know, the next thing to do. And um, you know, again, they come in by the hundreds and leave by the ninety nines, and. Um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, Bill Wilson worked with for six months and nobody stayed absent, nobody stayed sober, you know, but he did. So I just, um, you know, at this point, I just, and I, I just feel like it's like a, a revolving thing, hopefully moving people through. So I've, I just have several people. I don't really have a specific amount and say, you know, if I, if I'm in a place, I, there have been times in my life where I've been, you know, when I first moved, where I just really wasn't in a position. But, um, you know, when life is as life is, you know, I'm, I just try to help as much as possible. Thank you, Haya. And Michelle, I believe you wanted to respond as well. Yes, thanks, Leah. I was just going to say that, um, you know, the number varies from um, what's going on in my life, and, and that's my criteria, you know, to, you know, the time that I have available to, to be able to, um, to be of use and to be of help. And um, at one point I was sponsoring four, and then as life got busier and I had other commitments, that number you know, was whittled down, and, you know, I'm always, um, you know, available for phone calls. I, you know, I return calls back, and so, um, you know, I'm I'm always grateful for the phone calls, and, and I make phone calls because, um, you know, that, that is working, you know, with others as well. But, um, yeah, my criteria is, you know, staying close to God and, and um, seeing what other commitments I have in my own personal life is what, is what limits me or, um uh, you know, doesn't limit me, I guess, too. So um, it, it varies. It is. Um, it goes up and down. And and today, you know, I'm I'm probably at my limit. Thank you, Michelle. Anyone else? And if the remainder of uh, folks stay muted, that'll minimize the echoing that you're hearing. Uh, but who else would like to ask a question at this time? Sharon, I'd like to share. Sharon? Yes, Sharon with a question. Thank you. Sharon from Pennsylvania. Um, Kind of piggybacking on the last question, once a person gets through Step 12 and is ready and is taking on sponsees, do you you continue sponsoring them? Because by doing so, I, I, I find that it doesn't leave me time to take on new people. So how do you handle that? Um, well, I'll just say this is Michelle. That um, then uh, you know I the the amount of contact as my sponsees have gone through um, the twelve steps and have become recovered and started to sponsor um, becomes less frequent. Um, I we still you know stay in touch and you know I still stay in touch with my sponsor. And um, but the contact is less frequent, and that does open them up, and it opens me up to sponsor other people, and um, and that works for me. 
Thank you, Michelle. Any of the this other panelists want to comment? Yeah, this is Marcia. Um, I, I stay in contact with my sponsor pretty much daily, and, and we've been through the steps. And um, and for me, you know, I, I want to be available to my sponsees because as they open up themselves to sponsoring, they're going to have questions that if there's some way that I can help them uh, guide them through sponsoring, because if, if sponsoring is kind of a new thing for them, I, I would hope that they would want to try and 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 if I can be able, have some advice for them or some some guidance for them of how they can handle something that they're not quite sure what to do, then you know I, I'd like to be available to them. Um, I, I I do have an expectation of, of staying in contact because I know what I've done without that contact. I became became cocky myself. And, and um, so I, I kind of want to, uh, don't want to, I want to give them the benefits of the wisdom that I've picked up is that uh, if, I, if I don't stay in contact with, with my sponsor, I can get pretty, uh, I can get pretty, uh, messy and sloppy, and I don't want to. I don't want them to repeat the same errors that I've made. Thank you for the question, Sharon. And now, star one to unmute for your next question. Go ahead. Who's next? Any other questions this morning? Good morning. I have a question. I heard someone say good morning, with, but I don't know who that is. Please identify my yourself. Name, my name is Gloria. I do have a question. Gloria, hold on one second. And there was somebody else that popped up. Who else was that? Hi, this is Dana. Dana. Okay, let's start with Gloria. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Good morning to the panel. I've enjoyed what I've heard. I was just wondering, do we really need a sponsor if we study the first 164 pages of the big book and listen to a vision for you? Well, I think the big book does define, this is Marcia, sorry. The big book does say, you know, um, we must put our reliance on God and that, that, that recovery can happen without a sponsor. Um, it cannot happen without a reliance on a power greater than yourself. So um, I think it's possible. I don't recommend it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a program of suggestions. You know, it's, it's whatever you think that you and your higher power can, can deal with as far as, you know, the program, the, the program of recovery. Uh, I... I, I do believe that you can recover, you know, on your own if you if you you're committed and you're honest with yourself and you're you're in connection with people that you can identify with. Um, but like I said, um, I don't know what I would do without my sponsor. I personally am somebody who gets very cocky and arrogant, and I need somebody who can keep who can keep reminding me that I uh, I'm not all that. So that's just. 
my opinion, take what you like and leave the rest. Thank you. Thanks, Gloria, for the question. Let's move on to Dana now. Dana, you'll need to press star one to unmute. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. I'd just like to first of all say thank you to everyone on the panel and to you and everyone. Um, It's been very helpful to me as I'm quite new to this. Um, And uh, I have a sponsor, and she's awesome, Um, and um, I get that I need one. Um, My question for me is, um, is it feasible for me to work step four inventory uh, while the fact that I am still having to do steps one and three, sometimes three or four times a day on my knees. Um, You know, is there a certain formula to that, or um, what what would you, what suggestions would you have for me? Thank you. Panelists, anyone like to respond? What was, I'm not clear on the question about... um, Step four and then bringing in step three, um, maybe I was the only one that wasn't clear on that, but I was just wondering um, what Dana, was could you repeat your question, please? Yes, sure. Um, I am working on my step four inventory at present. Um, I'm also still, when I first get up in the morning, um, I'm doing steps one and three on my knees at night before I go to bed. And sometimes during the middle of the day, I feel the need to turn my will back over, you know, to to God. Um, is is that okay for me? Have you found that um, I that you can still work set for inventory and still be maybe struggling with self will just a little, or do I need to make sure I have steps? one through three, turning my wheel over completely down pat before I even go all to step four. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that clarification. No, that's beautiful. No, um, this is Michelle. Um, I was really touched by your question because, you know, that, you know, my will um, is broken and that um, that's my spiritual malady. And I, I have a daily reprieve from that. And so many um, times a day. What what a beautiful way to spend my day in conscious contact and improving my conscious contact with my higher power um, through the step three prayer. And um, you know, I'm I'm never going to rise above that human condition where I'm, you know, selfish, self-centered, and um, dishonest. And um, so, no. I mean, as long as for me and um, the way the process worked for me and my experience is that as long as um, for me, as long as my binge food is down, that um, put me under anesthesia where I was in a food fog and I wasn't clear and um, wasn't able to try to begin to open that channel for my higher power to come in and to be able to, um, you know, be able to embrace these steps. Um, for me, that that's a beautiful experience that you just shared, um, that you're um, staying in conscious contact with your higher power. At least that's my experience. That's, that would be my response. Thanks. Thank you, Dana, for the question. Who's next with the question? Mm-hmm. My name is Inabel. I'd like to have you repeat the name and phone number of the last speaker, please. 
of the last panelist. Is that correct, yes. Annabelle? Okay. Uh, that would be high, uh, and that number is 972-740-6306. And numbers will be announced again after the conclusion of the recording. Thank you, Ina Bell. Who's next with a question related to Hi. sponsorship? Hi, this is Jason from Vermont. Hey, Jason, go ahead. Hello. Um, can, I really appreciate all you panelists. It's been wonderful this morning. Um, I'm curious, could you, could you tell me how specifically you um, receive guidance from your higher power and how you encourage your sponsees to do the same? This is Marsha. Good question. Good question. Um, well, I find when I stop thinking and trying to, you know, puzzle through something and I let it go and I, I become quiet, I get guidance. It's not um, automatic, but if I, I, okay, here's my problem, God. Here's my, my situation. Um, I know how I want to handle it, but how would you like to handle it? Um so I, I don't get an answer right away, but but after working on it for a while, sometimes I, I get that guidance and and I hear that voice that gives me the answer that I need. Um, for for instance, uh, I I was wondering whether I should apply for this new position at work and. And I, I puzzled on it for a while, and it was—it's a big deal for me. Some things come faster, and some things take a little time. And so I—I I had to to work on lay, laying aside my fear and, and talking over with my sponsor, and just letting it go, putting it out there for my higher power to answer. And then one day, as I was walking to my car, I got the answer: "You should go for it." It just came out of the blue because it was not something intrinsic within me it was not something that came from within me because i was still wrestling with it i heard distinctly i think you should go for it and that was my answer and all i can do is share my experience with that and say that's all i can do and all anyone can do is put it out there and and ask for guidance and then be still and quiet, and in a sudden moment of clarity, suddenly there is an answer, and it didn't come from me. And and so just sharing that anecdotally is the best I can do as far as guiding uh, my sponsees. Thank you, Jason, for the question. Any any of the other panelists want to respond to that? This is Haya. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Haya. I just want to clarify, Jason, was it was that specific to working with sponsees or just in general and working with sponsees? Well, it's it's really in general, yes. And I'm also curious, well, well, how do you know with absolute certainty that that voice, when it comes, you know, how do you know with absolute certainty that that's just not another voice, like you know, right. of your th of your thinking? You know, how do you study, it, splice it. that out? Yeah. Got it. Okay, great. So uh, it's a great question. Um, I really personally do what the book tells me. So I follow 
you know, on awakening, if you turn up to page 86, um, it says on awakening what we should do and think, you know, thinking about our day, first asking God to direct our thinking, um, that God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will, will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And I love that there's, it talks about the higher plane here, you know, back in the, when we were working on the fourth step, and it, it talks about the grouch and the brainstorm, and it was explained to me a brainstorm like, ugh, like, you know, when a pilot is flying through a storm, you know, what do they have to do? They have to go above the clouds on a higher plane. And so I go from that brainstorm to a higher plane through this 11th step where my thinking is clear of wrong motives, and then I ask, as I think about my day, um, you know, when I'm facing indecision, ask for inspiration, intuitive thoughts. It does tell me that, you know, that I will, I'll be, how the right answers will come after I've tried this for a while. This will have gradually become a working part of the mind, but that being still an experience, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions. It's called being human. So, um, you know, I, I hope that the direction I get is, um, you know, is God speaking to me, but very often, you know, it, it might be some other, you know, part of me, some part of self, which is why it's so important to have, I think, and why the book tells us frequent contact with newcomers and each other, each other meaning the other recovered people, right, either you're a newcomer, meaning you're not recovered yet, or you're recovered living in step 10, step 11, and step 12, and so I have what I call a tripod of objectivity, you know, three or four people that know me well that I can bounce things off of. And then the other thing I do, and I, I'll share this with all of you online because it's just been so helpful to me, this is a prayer that I use that I, um, and I just ask God, you know, God, if, if, if you want this for me, please increase my desire. And if you don't want this for me, please decrease my desire. Because really what we're trying to do is is when we turn our will and our lives, our thinking and our actions, you know, I want to make, right, thy will be done. I want to make, I want to get my will in line with God's will. So if I say, if you want this for me, increase my desire. My desire is my will, what I want. So increase my desire. If If you don't want this for me, decrease my desire. And I'll tell you, it's a prayer that, you know, if you really want to know what God wants, say that prayer, you know, because you're going to get that answer. So if he doesn't want it for you and you really, 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 really want it, don't say that prayer. <laughs> because in my experience, you know, if I really, 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 really want something, but that's not right for me, if I say that, please increase my desire if you want it for me and decrease my desire if you don't want it for me. If it's not meant to be that desire, just goes away. It's amazing. It's worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. But it is part of the 11th step, you know, trying to gain um, inspiration and direction and thoughts and decisions on um, utilizing that cleared channel that can only get cleared through step four through nine and can only stay clear through step 10 and then ongoing development with step 11 and 12. Thank you panelists for the response and thank you Jason for the question and we'll take two more questions this morning before we wrap up and bid farewell who's next with a question star one to unmute hi this is Holly I'm I heard that this is being recorded how can I get the recording of this particular meeting after the meeting 
Thank you, Holly, and welcome. You're obviously a newcomer, and I'm going to give all those details momentarily when we conclude the recording. So hang on, please. Any questions for our panelists this morning related to sponsorship? Going once. Hi. Okay, Hi, you got in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering um, how the three of you as sponsors, like, uh, work with a sponsoree in terms of a food plan, like how do you choose one? And I would imagine maybe it has to be a certain calorie level, but how do you know it's the right food plan? And I don't know, if you could talk a little bit more about that, I'd appreciate it. Well, this is Michelle. Again, um, <clears throat> I you know, I tell my sponsorees or sponsees that I am I'm not a dietitian, I'm not an expert. Um, if they don't, if they have special needs um, or conditions that warrant, um, you know, avoiding certain foods or a certain meal plan, then certainly a nutritionist, a, diet, a dietitian, um, you know, would be indicated. But like, um, also for me, I don't have health problems, and a lot of my uh, sponsees, current current sponsees, um, don't. And so there are government-sponsored websites that will direct on. Um, basically what does a healthy food plan, what does eating for nutrition and optimal health look like, you know, what's a serving size, and um, just getting a discipline, a more disciplined way of eating. And um, certainly if they want to go to a nutritionist, if they want, you know, expert advice, um, certainly. Um, but, you know, as I was cautioned, you know, um, not all dietitians, not all nutritionists are compulsive overeaters, and so... Um, you know, a word of caution and then, you know, coming back to me and sharing with me what has, you know, what has transpired in, in coming together with this food plan because I can't eat some things in moder moderation and nutritionists may want to recommend that. So um, that's my, you know, that's what I caution my, my sponsees about. And because, you know, early in my disease when I'm putting down the food, I lie to myself and I lie to others and that's part of my illness. And so... Um, you know, that's that's why I needed a sponsor to talk about my food plan and um and that's that's the guidelines and kind of guidance that and reminders and suggestions um that I bring up with my sponsees when they're working with someone who's not a compulsive overeater and maybe making suggestions that wouldn't work for me as a real compulsive overeater and it may not work for them based on my experience. Um that's it, thanks. Thank you. Any of the other panelists wanna respond? Sure. This is Marcia. Yeah. Um, I like like Michelle. I I am no nutritionist. I don't I don't make any um, claims that I, I I have any kind of idea about what someone else should be eating. Um, when we've identified foods that are giving them trouble or the behaviors that are giving them trouble, um, I, I try and speak more towards the foods and the behaviors and, and uh, you know, what kind of health considerations they may have, uh, that, that if there's something that needs to be addressed with a medical professional, then, then that is certainly something that I would encourage them to do. Um, if there are no health issues, um, again, I still don't profess to be any kind of professional, but, um, you know, we, we, I do try and talk about the foods to eliminate um, but they're, they are actually, everybody is, as somebody else's food plan is different than mine, um, I can work with that as long as 
they are um, following the commitment that they have to, I am not going to eat this food. I'm going to commit to you that I'm going to have three meals a day and I will have an evening snack and this is what my food is going to consist of. Um, I'm going to have this for breakfast, for lunch, this for dinner, and if there's a snack in there, you know, what kind of snack is it? So we talk about portion control. We talk about substances. We talk about behaviors. Do you, you still eat in the car? Do you still go to drive throughs Do you, you know, what what is the behavior associated? For, for those who are on the opposite spectrum of me, you know, do they, do they have problems with over-exercising, that's a compulsive food behavior to, uh, that uh, I've identified for my program and I know others, others have as well. Um, so, you know, I talk about the food, but I also talk about the behavior. Um, as far as the specific plan, um, they, they, I think that most, while well, most of my sponsees don't have any health issues, and so um, I have one who's vegan, I have one who is um, who eats three meals a day. I have one that eats three meals a day as well, uh, and and has a snack in between. So it's varied. It's just is it is the food that they've committed to is the menu that they've committed to for the day, the food plan that they've committed to, to the, for the day. Is it abstinent um, according to their needs? And if it is, you know, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, they, they have to be honest with their food plan. Uh, for me, abstinence is a totally different thing than a food plan. Um, uh, the, the, the abstinence definition in OA is extremely clear uh, of what you know, abstinence is. So if you're either eating compulsively or you're not, it's very simple. If I'm, if I'm not eating compulsively, then I, I consider myself abstinent. And that's pretty much how I define it, and it's how my sponsees define it for themselves. Thank you, Jan, for the question. And our last question today, anyone else with a question there? Star one to unmute. Good morning, Leah. This is Lisa from Upstate New York. I have a question. Yes, go ahead. Um, I think I heard Haya say that she doesn't have her sponsees call her and just give her their eating plan and how they date, their day went. I think that's what I heard. And if she did, could she clarify what she expects from her sponsors when they call her? Hi, Lisa. <clears throat> um, so when I was speaking about that, I was, I was referring to, you know, very often, and, and my experience was that that was what sponsorship was. I mean, for a couple of years in program, um, that's what I did. I called my sponsor and gave her my food and she told me what I could and couldn't have and, and then we, you know, I was talking about what was going on in my life and we were never, ever focused in the, in the steps. Um, and, um, that's not to anybody's fault except just what was being passed on. Um, and so today when I, you know, one of the beautiful things that, happens, and the big book does talk about this, whether or not a person continues uh, through the steps, it says in working with others, um, you know, perhaps we've made a friend, you know, whether or not we, we end up taking them through the steps, whether or not they're ready to, to um, get sober, get abstinent, um, that if we are kind and tolerant um, and we, we 
we, we've made a friend, you know, keep, always keeping that door open. My experience has been in sponsoring people that very often beautiful relationships and friendships have developed out of that. Not always, but very often they do. And these people become um, people that I, you know, that network, that support system. While I'm sponsoring somebody, what they're calling me um, is with, if they, if they, if helping, it help, I actually do commit my food each night in my evening review. I write down what I'm going to be having and send that off. And, and for a period of time, sometimes I'll, I'll call it in if I feel like I just need, need that. Um, some people do, some people don't. And it, we really, I, I've, I've, learned, I've learned through this program that the, the, from my own experience and from going through the steps and from working with others, that this is about... Um, dignity and self-honesty and coming to things, um, you know, it's so powerful when you come to a conclusion on your own rather than someone telling you what to do. And so um, I really try not to tell my sponsees what to do except direct them to the instructions in the book. Um, and so I don't give a whole lot of advice. When they do call while they're in the process, we might talk about what's going on in their life, but we bring it back to what the book says. And if they're in the beginning steps, um, it's really where are you in the in the steps? We just try to keep our focus on what is going on, you know, what what we're doing, what the work is, um, because the work is in the steps. I don't know if I'm answering precisely, but um, that doesn't mean we don't talk about what's going on. They may share with me what's going on in their life, but we bring it back down to the steps. Sometimes what's going on in their life. They may need outside help, and the book tells us we make use of doctors, psychiatrists. Um, and so sometimes I may say, you know, it, let's read this piece, and it talks about it. And then they may need to go get some help for some, you know, for some other issues. So I really try not to give advice. I really try to keep the instructions based on the book. And as a result of that, what I have found is relationships really do develop. And I'll tell you, when you listen to somebody's fifth step, you hear their stuff and you share with them your stuff, it's, it's, um, it, it does create a, a beautiful bond. But again, the point of this, the whole, the whole thing that we're trying to do here is, um, is, is get recovered from the disease of compulsive eating. And, and that I can help somebody with. Um, that I can help them with. The rest, just my opinion, right? So I try to, try to stay out of that. Thank you very much, Lisa, for the question. And, of course, thank you to all who had questions this morning, and thank you to our panelists, Michelle H., Marsha B., and Haya. And I'm now going to close the meeting the way A Vision for You always closes its meetings, and that's with the reading from page 164, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then.